Yo, what's up, guys and gals, man? Uh, first of all, to those of you who listen to the ads and the time we take to talk about stupid stuff, thank you so much. For those of you who don't just skip the silly things we call ads that, uh, yeah, kind of exist. Man, uh, a little update. We are working towards the Deland Roadshow. We are calling it in-house Deland Roadshow. At this point, we have no other name. So for now, the 2020 Deland Roadshow it is. Uh, it is moving super far forward. Several of you have reached out to us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so effing much, man. Uh, we have some dates that we will announce those soon. I'm looking in February. I have two different locations confirmed, so the manufacturer have been su- manufacturers have been super supportive. Uh, now I have to line up all these guests. Uh, we will hopefully by the uh, beginning of January have everything set and confirmed. So thank you guys so much. Those of you who want to support the show, keep reaching out. Keep letting me know our expenses for this isn't the cheapest thing. Um, I'll let you guys know what the over overall cost is and let you guys figure it out from there. But thank you guys. The Deland Roadshow is definitely moving forward. Lots of progress to report hopefully soon. Tonight's Gravity Lab Radio is brought to you by Jellyflea Creative, man. I love Kyle Henderson. He's a super good dude. He's a super good guy. If you're going to give your money to somebody, give it to somebody who matters, man. I want to talk about his company for a second, but I want to talk about the human being. He is a family man. He is married. He has two daughters. So for me, the decision is is easy because I've watched this develop, but this relationship develop. I've, I've known them since before they dated. So really cool to me. Support local business, support local economy, support a skydiver. If you're not local to the Houston area and you're listening from somewhere else, Kyle is a skydiver. He used to work full-time in the sport as an instructor. Now he's out there doing his thing, slinging web design, doing logo and branding and stuff like that. But man, their web stuff is killer. He's a great dude on web stuff, man. I can't recommend them enough. The ratingcenter.com, my company website, he recently redid some stuff for me. I say redid the whole site, man. Went above and beyond what I asked, but at the price that was quoted and in, in, in such a great place. It's so good to have somebody deliver more than what they've promised and not still turn around and take it back out on you. Uh, getting good service at the beginning, that's always impressive and it's nice. And, and I think Kyle is uniquely high even in that. But service after close, service when things are going on. My website, I, I had some shortcomings with what he designed because I had I was short-sighted. And as I built the site and I wanted more functionality, yo, Kyle, I like this. I don't like this. Let's change this. And man, right away, it's rare that I send him an update and it's not changed the same day. If he gets it that week, I'd be stoked. But the same day, Kyle takes care of business. You're going to get customer service, attention to detail. He's always moving forward ahead of me. He always knows what's going on with my site, my functionality. If it's down, if it's up, he knows if there's an issue before I ever can have a chance to. Jellyflea Creative, check him out, jellyflea.com. Absolutely wonderful people, wonderful business. The customer service is outstanding. The product is phenomenal. Tonight's guest is Lori Pataloco. Lori's super cool chick. I met her, another Jump Package person this year. Uh, I think she'd been around last year, but we really didn't get to meet. And we got into some coaching this year, a canopy coaching that led her down a very interesting path. And that was the uh, PD Bullseye event. So uh, I won't spoil any more. Lori will be here soon. I hope you guys enjoy getting to know Lori Pataloco. I'm the target of a meat miss of going 150 miles an hour plus. That got really <laughs> exciting all of a sudden. I'm doing canopy safety. Um, I drive like an Asian, so I don't know if it's the most appropriate thing ever. Yeah. I'm killing it. Utah, give me two. Ah! 
You are listening to Gravity Lab Radio, hosted by DJ Marvin and Nicholas Lott. Produced by Justin Grubbs. Have we talked about skydiving the whole time? We talked about the Aussies a few times. He really likes them, which is odd to me. Yeah. All week long. <laughs> I wonder if he would like Freaking Jackson particularly, but Jack and Josh. We're like, oh, that was the best episode ever. All you guys did was talk about us. Right? And I just said, we're not going to talk about them. So we're talking about those assholes again. Let's so, not. Let's, let's not. not. You, I mean, you deal with them enough. <laughs> when you think about it, they're not even really people so much as they're creatures. Mm. So fuck them. Creatures. <laughs> how, how, in what way are they creatures? Oh, you know, they're just weird and slimy. They look like people, but they aren't. <laughs> Putting that in the show notes, Australians are not real people. Yeah, can we Good start that Justin. as a hashtag, please? <laughs> so, you know, we live, I was talking to another friend today. She, she does the YouTube stuff I was telling you about. And she was joking around how they have to be so PC and so careful about anything and everything you say because somebody's going to be offended. I think that's probably the most racist, unracist thing you could say. Nobody's going to be like, oh, he insulted the Aussies. It's because no one likes them. No one's going to stand up for them. (laughs) (laughs) What's her YouTube channel? Is it Toys Unlimited? Is that them? Toys Unlimited, yeah. And I think she's got a couple other smaller ones. I think she had three. So, Do you know much about their channel? A bit. They've got like... 70 million subscribers yeah. or something insane. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, she, her and her friend just found out that you could do toy reviews online. They do toy reviews. They take these little toys. They play with them on screen and make them act out what's going on, and they voice over, and they do a cute country voices. And little kids watch it, and moms stream it, and, and they sell ad space. They get paid to produce some of these, and they have gotten like that several millionth viewer Um I told you earlier she had a gold play button. Mm-hmm. They were this close to getting diamond, but the whole kid market in YouTube has tanked. Um, oddly, I I don't like trying to produce this next level. I'm not so worried about, but I still really enjoy keeping up with like creating content. So I watch a lot of content creators online. Just it just interests me. And between who doesn't love watching children's toys? I mean, dude, it's crazy. Yeah, come on. And then Nat today, she was also talking about it. it. Just YouTube changed the way Children's Toys work. So her show, even with all the subscribers now, they're just. Did it change because of the whole pedophile thing that was going on? Because <laughs> um, there was a YouTube God, like, thing going on. Was there? Yeah. Are you talking about uh, Elsa Gates? Because Elsa Gate was something I learned about today. <laughs> people dressing up. I don't know the name of what? it. I'm not that far into Be- it. People <laughs> dressing up as Elsa from Frozen and Batman and like titling their YouTube videos some like productive Spider Man, how to be whatever tip. And then I don't, I have no clue what level of sex acts was accused of, but having oh, sex yeah. acts on YouTube. So yeah, yeah, it was that. That this thing. That's what I was talking about. Dark <laughs> turn. <laughs> This went down that's a real thing. Yeah. This like went down into the no, gutter I'm pretty like sure that's super why. fast. I, I mean, like, <laughs> there's no getting out of it. Yeah, ever, let's man. just stop. So, <laughs> speaking of children's toys, they did were you probably have, Australians. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you enjoyed that, don't lie. Did you have a. I, only because I hate those Australians so badly. <laughs> did you have a lot of toys around when you were a kid? What were you into? I don't know. I don't remember. Barbie dolls. I played a lot of sports, so I didn't really have a lot of time. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So I was that like suits soccer, you. gymnast, you know, all that kind Softball. of stuff. Softball. Softball, yeah. Yeah. All the things. Which uh, which one did you follow the most when you were young? I played a lot of soccer for soccer? sure. Soccer? Yeah. So I was in soccer. Should we call it football for the international audiences? I mean, you could. What do they call it in Canada land? So I, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't grow up in Canada. I grew up outside. No, you're Canadian. I already know that. We, we've had this argument before. Hang on. You lived in Canada before you came here. Is yeah. that right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. But you were born where? Just outside of Detroit. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. So the jobs dried up and you left. Well, they asked me to leave. It's okay. <laughs> the, whole, <laughs> the city of Detroit got together. <laughs> that no, goddamn like Lori's causing all of our problems. <laughs> She's the ruined the automobile industry. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. The yeah. mayor of Toronto, who is a crackhead, called you up and said, leave our city. Please. <laughs> is that how yeah. this works? Oh, yeah. wait. Canada kicked you out. I thought you were saying Detroit kicked you out. Well, I mean, I laughed too, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you've been kicked out by Detroit and Toronto. Well, and London too, Have right? Have you been so kicked I out of anywhere good? <laughs> no. <laughs> but Rocher <laughs> and manages to keep you. Well, for now. <laughs> for They'll now. kick me out next year, yeah, probably. Yeah. Man. So you, just a little backstory on Lori. You started skydiving how long ago? Uh, last April. God, I hate you guys. Last April, like over a year ago, though. Like almost two years ago last April. Not like that Hudson brat. Yeah, no, not like Hudson at all. Okay. And you you were at that point living in Canada. Canada. Mm-hmm. You were coming down here to learn, or how did that happen? How did we first see you here? Yeah, so I was doing only tunnel, um, and my coaches, um, Evert and Rob, were skydivers. And they said, why don't you go down to Spaceland, because they do that A in a week. So I came down here last April, did my A in a week, and well, two weeks, whatever, and Pedro was my coach. Then I went back up to Canada and I made like trips down here because it's easier to kind of come down and just focus on that as opposed to like when I jump in Canada, it was like, oh, I got to work in the morning and it's a two hour drive to get there and two hour drive to get back and stuff. So came down here and then by December I had 100 jumps. I want to go backwards a little bit there. Something I didn't realize is you were a tunnel rat, not necessarily rat, but you were in the tunnel before skydiving. Oh, for sure. Yeah. How much tunnel time? Uh, I've been going the tunnel for six months before I even jumped out of a plane. A couple hours, a bunch of hours? Uh, probably about four or five hours. Okay, pretty legit. What were you doing? What were you working on in the tunnel when you started skydiving? Uh, I was working on back flying. Okay, so getting along pretty well. Mm-hmm. Belly super stable. Mm-hmm. What was it like learning to skydive? I mean, because really the, the basic belly skills translate extremely well. Yeah, it was super easy. Yeah? Yeah. Um, you went through the traditional student progression nonetheless. Yeah. Do you think you would have been capable of learning the free fall skills faster? Without, without the tunnel? No, no, no. So you have all this tunnel time. Mm-hmm. Do you think you needed to do all the free fall jumps you did? I think it was helpful for the canopy stuff. Perfect. So, and that's really what I'm going for is so many people tell me like, yo, man, I got all this tunnel time, man. I'm not going to learn a lot in free fall and I'm, I'm not going to disagree. You're not. I've trained a couple ton of rats and actually really fun to be an AFF instructor with a tunnel rat because you go turn points yeah and then she opens up under parachute and she learns to fly it yeah so if you in hindsight had to do it all over again you think that was the best way do all those student jumps to get that extra canopy time I would probably do more jumps for the canopy stuff man yeah I love you (laughs) it's a a really good answer and I think it is still I mean uh, I have a good friend who's worked the tunnel for, for quite a while they still have less than 100 jumps and uh, because of their experience in the tunnel, you can just see this mindset of, oh, I'm above doing this, these basic bitch skydives, you know? Yeah. Like, they don't want to do mentor jumps. They don't want to practice, you know, getting together on their bellies because they think that they're above that. And it's like, I I'm so much more uh, respect the person who comes in with a great base of, of flying in the tunnel and uses that to make the most of any other part of, of learning to, to skydive. And uh, to hear that you focused on canopy stuff and say that you would still focus more on canopy stuff is like, that's the best answer. Yeah, I mean, not sorry to interrupt you. Oh, you're good. Um, But it's like, I think that that's kind of the one part of 
the whole skydiving experience people kind of don't pay attention to same part as much that, as i could the same part where everyone gets hurt and right? killed right <laughs> not everyone but most of us right yeah I just taught a canopy course today, and in the very beginning phases of it, we talk about planning. And I ask everybody, do you dirt die free fall? And everybody says yes, and why? For safety, for fun, for success, all these good words. I'm like, cool, how many of you stopped planning canopy descent? So many people get their license and say, I got worse at accuracy before I got better, and it's because you stopped planning. We made you write down a plan so you actually had an attack. Now you go out there all willy-nilly and try to hit something, good luck with that. So we dirt dive the first half, but we don't dirt dive the second half. How often does somebody get hurt in free fall? Eh, happens. How often does somebody get hurt on a parachute? All the time. Yeah. yeah. Man, I really wish people would take that more serious. And I didn't realize. So at some point, you fall in love with Canopy. We're going to get to when that is. Um, you just graduated with your license. You've gone through our student program. At that moment, did you think I want to focus more on canopy stuff and I needed more canopy stuff? Or were you just kind of blind to the excitement and moving on to what's next? Honestly, I'm probably like a lot of people. I was just like, that's just how I get to the ground so I can do the skydive again. Okay. So at that point, there really wasn't as much of a concern about I need to learn more canopy. No. Okay. And you, at the end of December or the end of last year, December, you had about 100 jumps, you said. 100 jumps, yeah. What happens next? Um... Canada asked me to leave and I came here. <laughs> Why did Canada add, They're the nicest people in the world. They are super nice. I Except love them. Except for like two of them. The rest of them are really, really cool. Yeah. <laughs> How many times did they apologize? Sorry, eh? A lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, why did they kick you out? Well, I just, uh, I like got made redundant at my job so okay i mean I, they didn't kick me out like i'm a citizen so it's not like they i mean they you just didn't have a out, job like, anymore i just didn't have a job i didn't really have any direction and i was just like well i may as well take a year off to refocus and see what i can do and the skydiving thing sounds pretty sweet so let's go do that that's way less exciting sounding than they kicked me out <laughs> i like the, the kicked me Sorry. out version you, you stick with that one um one of the things that I've seen this year that's kind of unique to what we've seen in the package is a couple mature adults, which is a nice way to say Thank old. Thank you. Uh, Stig, for example, who have come to this year package thing financially set, right? So you've saved up some money, maybe not for this intent, but if you had to do this all over again, one of the first questions, last questions we ask people like you what would you change? And almost all of them say finances. I would plan to save more. I would do more. Mm -hmm. You've basically just taken a year off. I'm going to start mm -hmm. that last question at the beginning. Mm -hmm. How would you change the financial situation? I'm, I'm financially secure. I don't really have any problems with that. So it, it really, it's silly to say, man, but I, I love the idea of there's some financial security. Yes, I'm a full-time skydiver. Yes, I work in a very financially horribly, a horrible uh, income and we don't make the best money. But man, planning ahead, saving for a rainy day, I, I just, uh, I want to turn into like a financial podcast for an hour and we're going to talk <laughs> about why you should invest in, I have no clue what we invest in now. Warn me first so I can leave. <laughs> I thought Justin was actually about to like chime in with this really good stuff. Yeah. Oh bro, you got to know about, <laughs> boom. Um, I'll just go drink in the living room. Let me know when it's over. No, he, he's interested <laughs> in financial advice, but just not not the not, Asians, not from you. Yeah. <laughs> Marry a rich woman only goes so far, you know. Hey, oh, <laughs> it goes really to okay, retirement. I guess it goes all the way. For yeah, you. a couple inches. Great, all the way, that's all you need. <laughs> <laughs> that's eight inches, buddy. <laughs> yeah, that's man measurement. I Those like are it. Centimeters. <laughs> centimeters. Shit, I'm not good at this converting stuff. Um. 
So, anyways, just I love the idea that you were able to suddenly say in life, "Fuck it, man! I want to. I've got the money in the bank. I can afford to do whatever I want to do." And it's rare that we see somebody come across Stig is again that other example who has a lot of money set aside and they were able to live comfortably and do whatever they wanted and not worry about pinching dollars. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like a not a concern, but it definitely wasn't. Mm. I didn't have to really change my lifestyle at all. And when. Did you realize you wanted to jump for a year? When did you realize the jump package was your answer? Um, well, honestly, like before I was made redundant, um, I started actually like going to therapy because it was like uh, kind of like a really stressful time because people were being let go left, right and center in my old job. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I just knew I was a little bit lost. So I started going to counseling. And through that, I kind of realized like my life had become very stressful, very long hours like a lot of stress everything like that and uh yeah it was like kind of through that that i kind of got myself to a place where i was like okay look i know this is going to happen at some point um what's my plan so i came up with a plan and as soon as they were like okay it's your day i'm like sweet i've already got a plan in place like this is my thing this is what i'm going to do and that's this how it worked out so it was pretty good can i ask what you were doing for work uh i did foreign exchange so i buy and sell currencies for um, anything from like small companies all the way up to like asset managers. Okay. Yeah. And so now computers do your job faster and more efficiently. Yeah. Okay. I got you. Yep. How long did you do, did you do that for? 10 years. Okay. Yeah. A long time. And wh- how long ago did you kind of see the end of the road coming? Um, I would say probably about like two years ago. So basically what happened is, is they let go of my boss and then they kind of started kind of implementing things and I kind of started to see the writing on the wall a little bit and then they let go another one of my colleagues and I'm like there's only two of us left (laughs) it's probably gonna be me so I was like well you know there's not only so much I can do you know it's 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 coming it's gonna happen so there's nothing I can do to change it and the market's just dying so I was like well I need to do something else so may as well take some time I can imagine that if there were like skydiving and videography robots that were taking over the industry that I would probably feel pretty afraid. Yeah. Uh, how how long did it did it take to go from like a lot of fear and anxiety to acceptance and, and planning? Um I'd say probably about three, four months. Okay, that's not too terrible. Yeah. I mean it was a pretty stressful after after my boss was let go. Um then the speculation started and it wasn't until over a year after that I was let go. So I think for a while we didn't really realize what was going on until then my second colleague got let go and it was like, okay, this is getting too close now. (laughs) Did you plan like a glorious Jerry Maguire style (laughs) finish? (laughs) No. No, just No, no, just the phone call. You get like walked out the door with all your things and I already had my box already and like my bags already and I'd cleaned up my desk and everything. So I was like just waiting for it at that point. So yeah, I mean, it was pretty stressful, but you know, I think it helped having like having the counseling helped because it gave me like an outlet to kind of talk to somebody to kind of get my plan together in place and get comfortable with it before it actually happened. So that was pretty cool. So then you just pack up your whole life and drive to Texas? Pretty much. What what part of Canada were you in? Toronto. Okay. So how long of a drive was that? Three days. (laughs) It took forever. Where'd you, uh, where'd where'd you stop? Where'd you break it up? So I stopped at my mom's house just outside of Detroit. And um, then I stopped in Memphis and then I came here with some of my stuff and then f- flew back, got my cat, and then flew back here. Yeah, it was crazy. 
Was there any part of the uh, journey that was exciting other than the torture of the drive? Did you see anything awesome on the way? No. It was just pretty <laughs> <No>. dark. <laughs> it was pretty long. I hate driving. How, like, how many hours driving. were you doing each day? Um, I was doing like 10, 12 hours a day. Okay. Except for that first leg to my mom's house was only five. But then, yeah, like two 10-hour days. So are you much. making that? You're not making that drive back, are you, after you leave here? Mm-hmm. Oh, I have to go back for Christmas, so... Every six months, I have to get my car back into Canada just for the insurance purposes. So I go back every six months. So I went back in September, and now I'm going back again for Christmas. Ugh. It's crazy. The yeah, a nightmare. It's crazy. Yeah, it's a super long drive, and like I'm a little worried with the weather and stuff. But but you're Canadian. You can drive in that stuff. I'm not sure my car can. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's been taxified. Well, I, you know, I usually put snow tires on it, so I'm like, oh, I need snow tires now. What are snow tires? Right? You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Man. So y- you bought the jump package in what month? I didn't even buy it until, I want to say February. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know if they had, uh, I didn't, I remember them selling out and making posts that they were, that they were all done, but I don't remember mm-hmm. when that was. Well, they had the jump packages at all their drop zones too, right? Yeah. That was the theory. I don't know how well that really panned out because I feel like some people bought them from other jump so- or drop zones and ended up jumping here for the majority of the year. Yeah. But so I think that I this knew. this next year they're going to have uh, maybe a little uh, stricter rules about uh, about the package. But uh, you, you bought it in February. Mm-hmm. You showed up in April. Yeah, uh, mid March, April. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, how was the weather when you got here? Oh, terrible. I I you know, I. Th- I was here for one day and it was like three degrees Celsius. And I was like, I totally moved to the wrong place. I don't know what this is. I had my little parka on with my little toque. And I was like, felt like you were right back. I was like, what did I do? I just moved to a cold place. But yeah, it was bad for like until June almost. So, well, do you remember like three days ago when we were flying loads with the door open in the middle of December? Yes. That was awesome. It's kind of awesome. It's, it's, it's kind of a, it's a hard thing to remember when it's April or May and you're expecting this beautiful weather and we have, you know, maybe the shitty overcast that stays for a couple of weeks. But man, those those sunny December days are a, are a good trade. They're awesome, yeah. So what what part of the year did it really start to pick up? Uh, definitely June. So I was doing, I think, about 120, 130 jumps for three, four months straight. So part of making your plan, did you have like a focus with what you were going to do with skydiving or was, was skydiving the focus then? You were just going to jump. Yeah, I just wanted to jump. Like I wanted to like, I thought I would want to be on like big ways, like big belly, big ways until I realized like, whoa, <laughs> this is going to be way harder than I thought it was. So, and I didn't realize like going into it too, how much people train. I didn't realize how much people spend on training for skydiving. Like, I didn't know about camps. Like, I'd never heard of really camps before. So when I came here and I was like, oh, yeah, I want to do, like, big white belly stuff. And they're like, how many camps have you been to P3? Have you been to, like, this camp or that? And I'm like, (laughs) I don't even know what that is, you know. So, yeah, it was pretty cool, though, to learn all about that. But, no, I definitely didn't come here, I think, with as good of a plan as I could have. I think that that's part of being a new skydiver, though, right? I mean, it's kind of like that you don't know what you don't know yet. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I think that's all part of our discovery as we get into skydiving is you don't know what part of it is going to stay cool, what part of it is going to kind of fizzle out. What, what was, uh, like, when you moved here and you imagined uh, a fun skydive, did you think about anything other than these big ways? 
I just want to jump out of planes. Okay. <laughs> I, care. I, can, I just want to jump out. I, I can relate. <laughs> so, but it sounds like the, the focus kind of switched after a little while. Yeah, for sure. What, what triggered that? Um, I think it was a realization that one, I didn't want to invest the money in all these camps and all the tunnel time that I, it would need to be to get really good and get invited to all this stuff. And I think the other thing was that there was just so many people. There's so many people here that are so good at so many different things. I just kind of wanted to leave it open too. Is like, there's so much experience in this drop zone. Like, if you want to learn angles and stuff, there's like awesome people that do that. There's awesome free flyers. There's incredible belly people. And I think I just wanted to like leave it open. And now I know there's like awesome canopy pilots too. You know, so now it's like okay, cool. Now this is a whole nother thing I never even thought of when I had 100 jumps. It's like a thing. So let's go. So what what uh, what point of the year did you? St- I noticed you're doing a lot of hop and pops. Mm-hmm. What uh, what point of the year did that start? I think it was May last year. So that's when I took the first. That's when I I realized like I kind of need to get better at this canopy stuff because I'm kind of I'm not terrible at it, but like I'd like to learn more. And that's when PD released the whole bullseye thing. And I didn't really know what that was. All I knew was like, I don't have many jumps, but it sounds cool, you know. And well, then I talked to DJ. Why don't you give, uh, just for the people who are listening who aren't familiar with the event, why don't you give a little rundown of, of what the Bullseye event Uh was. So the Bullseye event is for two classes of people. So under 500 jumps and then over 500 jumps is an accuracy, sport accuracy competition where you've got a 15-inch disc that you aim for and a 15-meter circle outside of that. So basically... The scoring system works. The closer to the bullseye you are, the lower the points, and the lowest points wins. So you're competing in the... Did you compete in the sub-500 jumps? Okay. Yeah, because when I competed, I only had like 200-something jumps in June. Okay, so they they had events kind of all over, right? Yeah, so they had like eight events all over the world, and it was was a pretty big deal. I think we had like 12 or 15 people here. The first one was here at Spaceland? Yep, and Uh that was the end of June. And how did did that go? It went pretty well. (laughs) Do you you want to elaborate on what pretty well means? I kind of, I won that one. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Would you say that... I'm super embarrassed by it, but yeah, I won that one. That you were... uh, Snapping necks and cashing checks, would that be fair to say? I don't know. I didn't win by that much. Ralph, oh, come on. Ralph had, a, Ralph had a zero and a 15, so I can't really say that he did bad because he hit the bullseye, and I didn't hit the bullseye either time. So so you didn't hit the bullseye either time, but your score was relatively, it was decently lower than his, number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, I asked you on that second jump why you were so far off, and you said, honestly, I was playing it safe because I knew I had it. I just had to land in. Mm-hmm. So you didn't do well because you were sandbagging. Just saying. <laughs> just I'm not going to let you hide from this. You weren't sandbagging. You were actually doing the smart thing. The smart thing was, I just need to get a good score, and I got this. Yeah. So, no, you, you did the right thing. Yeah. I just got to tease you about it. Yeah. So I think you won a lot more uh, handily than you actually will give yourself credit for. And, and something, I've really enjoyed this journey because I've taken it with you a lot. And then we'll, I want to tell more about how you would made the decision in a minute. But through the year, I would contact Bo from PD. He runs the, 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 well, until today. Did you see his announcement today? I did see that, yeah. I've known that was coming for a while, and I just couldn't say anything. And people would talk to me. I'm just like, oh, God, yeah, no, Bo will be here next year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fuck you, Bo. Dude, it's so happy for him. He's going on the flight one. He's going to be teaching, competing, doing all sorts of badass things. So I'm super happy for him. But I, I enjoy having that little dimply face come around here and hang out with us. 
Um, uh, I would check in with Bo, like, yo, Bo, how's the competition? And I'd always find, and you actually would check with me. I'm like, yeah. like, hey, where are we at? Where are we at? And the one thing he would consistently tell me, no matter how good somebody was doing, he regularly would refer to, but nobody's earned it like Lori yet. And the thing that he said, and then also, oh, what's his name? Oh, my God, the videographer. I know Justin, Justin Carmody, who is here as well. Mm -hmm. They both said the same thing about you is some people got a good score by setting up a good pattern. You worked your accuracy. You earned your score every time. Mm -hmm. And that was, for me, the funnest part was watching you understand how to massage and milk every bit of that canopy. Yeah, for sure. I just remember it was super windy that day and like the day before that it was the exact same wind conditions on Friday as it was on Saturday. And I knew that there was like this little tiny patch of like really bad air. And like if you get stuck in this little tiny patch of really bad air, you're going to end up short every single time. So I used that to my advantage. I'm sorry. But um, <laughs> but it was kind of cool because like I knew like I had to get through that patch. But then if I actually set up using that, I could actually kind of S turn my way in. But if I tried to just go through it, I wouldn't get there. So it was kind of trying to use a bit of the knowledge of what the winds were like. Plus, I mean, with Will's help, I mean, Will was like... Will was huge. Huge. Huge player. Absolutely huge. Like, I can't say enough good things about Will and how much he helped me because he was having me do, like, trying to take a top dock. Like, trying to take a top dock when I had, like, 200 jumps. Like, that's crazy. Like, who does that? But, like... So, we're going to get into that in a little bit, but I just want to not lose a few people. A lot a lot of our jumpers might know what top dock, but crew, canopy, relative work, CRW. Crew, when you're building a canopy formation, imagine one guy under canopy and Lori sashaying or doing a nice little S-turn to swing herself down and to dock the front top of his canopy. I won't get more into crew, but I really, like, you, you kind of downplay your story. You're very modest, and I really... That's one of the reasons I think I like you is you're, you're, you're much better than you'll let yourself take credit for. And how you decided to enter this competition for me was really fun because you came to me one day and said, I want to do some coaching. And I said, for what? You're like, I don't know what I don't know. So I don't know is almost verbatim what you said. You were very clear. And so we talked for 20, 30 minutes. And at some point she looks at me and goes like, yeah, accuracy. That's one of the things I want to work on. I'm like, cool. That's super something easy we can work on. We can find other plans. By the way, did you know about this PD accuracy event? And she was like, yeah, yeah, I've heard about it. And I explained it to her very briefly. And you said, yeah, yeah, I want to enter that. And then I said, okay. And then I told her whatever our next step was today in that goal. And she didn't hear a fucking word I said. She looked straight <laughs> at me and she goes, I'm going to win. <laughs> I mean, she went from I'm going to enter that to and looked at me and said, I'm going to win. <laughs> and I don't know if you remember that moment. You I were do. determined. <laughs> I do, yeah. And I don't care if you're good or bad if I teach you. You're really good, by the way. You do a good job. I don't care if you suck or are wonderful. I, no, I care that you really, truly are interested in learning and put all your energy into it. And that day, I very quickly found, actually not that day, we got weathered out that day. Yeah. <laughs> um, we finally got coaching together, and I very quickly found out you absolutely love learning about parachutes. Yeah. For sure. So that, I, I had to share that version of, of the beginning because that's where it started. <laughs> For, yeah, 100%. And, and it was a fond memory because, I mean, you won that first, the, the first ever PD Accuracy Bullseye competition, the, the prelim, the very first one, you actually won that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And you didn't do bad at the end either. No, I did okay. What, what, were, the, what were the perks of, uh, of winning the first contest? It's basically it. Um, I got um, some money to travel to DeLand. So that was really helpful. Yeah, I forgot about that. Mm -hmm. Which is where the, the finals of the competition were. That's right, yeah. 
Also got some uh, free PD swag, like oh yeah, hat, socks. Something. Love the swag, yeah, yeah, yeah. The swag is great, man. It's a <laughs> lot of fun. I got the t-shirt. Come on, yeah. I love it. <laughs> I got a lot of really cool PD things. That one I don't get, man. And your name's on the back. It is. I know. It's so exciting, dude. It is. There's only a small handful of people who have those ever. Right? I, I know. I heard about this, and I'm like, oh my goodness, and my name's on the back. This is amazing. Yeah, you didn't steal from somebody unless they were named Pataloco as well, right? Yeah. So. It's cool. You got the you got part of your trip paid for. Mm-hmm. You got an invite to the land. So top three of the sub five hundred category get an invite to go to mm-hmm. the finals. Mm-hmm. What else did you get? Uh, the swag bag was that it from this meet? Yeah, and the medal. It. Yeah, and the medal. Um, and there were eight. I was going to ask you, but there were eight different events. So there are qualifiers throughout the U.S. and a couple, two or three European. I think mm-hmm. five U.S. three European. Mm-hmm. Is that right? I think so. Okay. Two or three, yeah. And then December 6th, if I remember the date right, yep. 7th and 8th was the finals in Deland. That's right. 6th practice day, 7th comp day, and it all ended in one day. It did, yeah. How many rounds? Three. Three? Yeah. Before we get back to the competition, let's take, I want to, uh, your journey there is so <laughs> much fun, man. I Man, Lori, I've cheered you on all year long. Thank you. Um, I really am so thankful that Will was around and really took an interest in helping you as well. Yeah. Uh, Will... When I see Will latch onto somebody to learn, to teach, I, I I know you're truly interested in learning because he doesn't he don't want anything to do with you unless you really actually want to learn. Mm-hmm. And at that point, if you unleash that box of nerd, oh my <laughs> god, he is a wicked smart dude. Uh, he knows like if if I've ever met anyone that I look up to all the time, it's Will. Yeah. I mean, he knows so much about everything that if I've got a question, I go to Will. If I've got uh, an issue, I go to Will. Like. And I'm just so thankful that he takes time with me because honestly, like I couldn't have done this without him for sure. If you can, if you don't, if you do know Will and you don't approach him much because he is kind of that introverted in his show and you're not sure what quite to make, take some time and get to know him and you'll find out, man, that dude is a effing genius. Mm-hmm. Him and I talk about canopy coaching nonstop and, and I regularly coach in his space. So he listens to me and him and I both quickly agree when it comes to canopy coaching, we can do the same job. The difference is, is DJ, you can put up with the stupid parts. I can't. <laughs> and he literally will call it stupid. Like people will walk away from a debrief. He goes, I don't know how you didn't just punch that dude in the mouth. I'm like, I don't either. Honestly, <laughs> I just started saying nice things and smiling like, yeah, you need to put it better. You're <laughs> stupid. <sighs> Man. Oh, dude, you shouldn't be jumping that 107, bro. Okay. Dude, why are you jumping a 90? Because it's cross brace and it flies bigger so I could be smaller than a 107 because it flies big. I've heard that from somebody with a PhD. Whoa. <laughs> oh, my God. Right. That's crazy. It's a scary, scary thought, man. So now you decide, I want to get into accuracy. At this point, really, two guys, uh, myself and Will, took you under our wings. We really wanted to try to work. Will's availability is every day, nonstop on that packing yeah. mat. What kind of things did you do to train and get ready for this? Um, so Will and I did a lot of crew stuff, so that was really good. Um, it definitely taught me a lot about flying my canopy, my canopy. Um, and honestly, like it's super fun too. So (laughs) it was nice to like have something that was fun and challenging because we would come back from jumps and he would say like, look, I wasn't giving it to you. I was making you work for it. And that's what makes the difference. I think between somebody who's good and somebody who's like really good is that like you don't get stuff for free like you get to work for it which is good but he also gave me enough that it kept me wanting to come back like gave me the encouragement to keep going so that was really nice um 
And I forgot the rest of the question. I'm sorry. No, just the things that you were working on. Oh. And one of the things you said was crew. Yeah. You're talking about how he made you work for it. Yep. And then um, using the Frisbee, like, I mean, I, it's been so weird the last, well, first of all, the last two days, like, I've had my Frisbee in the field now for s almost six months. And everybody knows, like, if the Frisbee's, like, in the field, like, I'm probably aiming for it. Watch and I'm out. Probably here comes doing, Lori. <laughs> I'm probably doing a hop and pop. So, like you said, like, I've probably done close to 400 hop and pops this year just focusing on flying a clean pattern. What to do if my pattern kind of goes wrong? What can I use close to the ground to kind of manipulate that kind of stuff? Practicing it all up high, of course. But, like, it's crazy the, the amount of things and the amount of time I've spent with each of my canopies is, like, I know it left, right, and center, inside, outside. I know exactly how much you can do. I know the glide ratio. I know all of it because you have to, right? But it was cool. Like, it's just so much fun. Like, I just love flying it, so. First of all, did you notice one of the hashtags for tonight's show? Did you move my Frisbee? Yeah. <laughs> That's one of the hashtags. I thought yeah. you'd enjoy that. Yeah. Um, one day I was out there doing some canopy coaching of some type. I'm videoing somebody, and Lori gets nowhere near the Frisbee. Like, a, nowhere near the Frisbee is not Lori style. You're, she's pretty decent. She regularly is within a reasonable distance. And second of all, she didn't even try to fix it, which I'm like, there's been times where I'm like, Lori, you need to back off trying at that point. This is a good time to not try so effing hard. Okay, so we, we talk about why and she'd move on. But you didn't even fucking try. And the second time she missed it, I was like, what the fuck are you doing, Lori? Do you remember this no. day? Like, I just got a fly sight and I'm just flying consistent oh, yeah. patterns because I just want to <laughs> see what the data looks like before I manipulate it or whatever words. And she just went out and flew standard stock patterns for a day just to grab data so when she doesn't fly a standard stock pattern she can compare a to b yep now does that sound familiar? yes i remember that day yeah <laughs> yeah that is a level of nerdery i'm a nerd nick pulled me aside today because i'm that much of a nerd and i did say i need to steal your nerd brain for something. <laughs> yeah That's exactly what i said yeah. and and uh no you you go beyond that your nerd brain is very big i like being a nerd it's cool yeah <laughs> um Crew, let's talk. I want to talk a little bit about crew because really, crew is a lost word. It's not just on loss of discipline, lost discipline, inferring that people don't do it much, uh, but lost word. People don't even hear about it nearly that much. Did you use the word crew at all this year? And somebody asked you, What was it? Um, I tried not to talk about it because it's not really something that we do. Our the first often. rule of flight club is you do not talk about <laughs> right? flight club. What are you eating? That's <laughs> a uh, I'm eating everything. You're eating again. Dude, oh, uh, those good, good fat good bar. Fat bar I yeah. love those good fat bar. Dude, and I did go hook up on those uh, dollar dong bars. The, those, it's not a dong? <laughs> the dollar dong? No, I, I already shoved the dong in my mouth earlier. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, dude, I need to get more I of those. I swallowed it. Those are These high. are great, right? So, yeah. sorry sorry that we're talking about my food again, but uh, H-E-B has some flavors that uh, Sprouts doesn't have. Maybe I'll bring you some. Dude, um, you back on the diet? You back at good? Yeah, I'm you back focused? at... Uh, Back to normal, I guess. Yeah. And I blew it. I was back home this uh, the last few days, last handful of days. I went hard. I had so much cheesecake and pumpkin pie and brownies. That's bad. I'm waiting to visit yeah. my mom because I, I go visit my mom for Christmas. And, man, my mom loves it's every mother to mm. feed me yeah my Love. mom fucks yeah. me up dude <laughs> she she has a plan she's like yeah i know you're on a diet but here let's destroy every part of your digestive system and make you a chubby little fuck <laughs> but i i mean she knows me i love it 
I love dude, it. Dude, and mom knows how to cook the food that you like, right? Oh, my God. Yep, she nailed it. I'm so ready for uh, that Christmas visit, except for how ass I feel. Like, leaving my parents' house, I feel like I have a hangover just walking out going like, oh, my God, I need to go and eat something. Like, I, Valerie was talking to my mom on the phone. We were on speakerphone, and my mom was like, hey, what do you guys want to eat? And we named things. And Val's like, just whatever it is, please have a lot of vegetables. And my mom's like, cool, we'll have a small salad for before. Lori, <laughs> <laughs> what's your, uh, other than root beer, what's your favorite uh, junk food? Cheese. Che- See, cheese is not a junk food to me. Really? Yeah, because I, I eat a really high-fat diet. Cheese is just, cheese is on the menu. Oh, that's my cheat. Yeah? If I'm going to have something bad, it's usually cheese. Yeah. You need a high-fat diet then because cheese I is know, all over I know, I feel it. like I'm on the wrong diet now. What kind of cheese? Anything that smells bad. I like French cheese, yeah. No, I Oh, you're a stinky cheese lady. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. If Where, it's got blue in it, I love it. Where did that start? <laughs> she get excited. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about cheese now. I mean, from Munda. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the look on your face. Uh, okay, oh, so, but it seems like this, like those sorts of cheeses are kind of an acquired taste for most people. Well, I lived in England for almost seven years, oh, so that that's kind of where I got it, yeah. Why you love stinky things. Yeah, that's right. All right. <laughs> and, and warm beer. Really? Yeah. God, that's disgusting. No, it's not. It's actually really good. I'll, I'll need to bring you over to the dark side. Let's vote. Who here likes warm beer? Well, wait oh. a minute. Hold on a second. Who here likes beer? So we don't have a I mean, <laughs> the two people. I, I can enjoy a really cold IPA beer. Okay, but, but like, it's got to be cold, or I can't stand it. Same for me. Yeah, if, I have, if I have a beer, it has to be ice cold. But in general, I just don't like beer. Well, mm. it depends on the style of beer, right? So White Claw over there. It's a little less <laughs> carbonated, and it's not. It's not cold, but it's not like our room temperature. It's like between. It's chilled. Yeah, mm. sort of. Cellar temperature, I think is what they call it. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. Like like a cellar wine or something, that kind of temperature. Mm-hmm. But when it's less carbonated, it's much easier to drink that way. I like your hat. Mm-hmm. Oh, thanks. <laughs> That's when you're supposed to say, I like your hat. I like your hat, too. I know I got a new hat. Did you see it, man? <laughs> I, can, I can zoom in on it a little bit. Uh, we've been asked a lot about uh, getting some shit. Something I've always wanted and something I've always needed is some uh, beanies. So I actually went out and got gray and black beanies. Both of them are low-good. I got Gravity Lab Radio in gray and black. I got TRC. And are those a new made by design. Option Studios? Yeah, they are, buddy. Oh, wow. uh, also in gray really and black. That's a really great company. That's why I'm wearing their shirt. So if you want a beanie, I'm wearing one too. Check that out. If you want a beanie, gray or black, Option Studios or Gravity, listen, no, 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 TRC or Gravity Lab, I have a bunch of these. Hit me up. I have them on sale. Um, I only got six of these hats. I, I love this story. I walked in tonight and I said, Nick, you know why I got six of these hats? He's like, why? Because I wanted one. <laughs> and I, I knew if I got one, somebody else would go like, hey, where do I get one of those hats? I'm like, well, here you go. I, here's more hats. So I only have six of these hats. Uh, if you want one, hit me up. I will, I'm going to sell them. I don't know the prices. They showed up today. I have to go through the box and do all the prices and numbers and stuff. What about uh, favors? What sort of favors? S- sexual favors, perhaps. Could I give you for one of those hats? Well, I, you actually have credit in sexual favors. That's true. I've delivered <laughs> some serious mouth kisses and maybe some other stuff. Mouth hugs. Mouth hugs. <laughs> you know Logan, the new tandem instructor? Yeah. I like to call him barrel roll. Logan the, other, <laughs> Logan the other day had some french fries, and he offers me a french fry. I'm like, uh, only if I can take it from your mouth. So he puts it in his mouth and puts out his lips like he wants a kiss. 
And Nick, you know what happens if you play gay chicken with myself or Nick or guys like us. Oh, uh, yeah, don't do it. Yeah, Or do it. I mean, if you want to get kissed man to man. <laughs> if you're into that. So I <laughs> took the fry with my teeth and gave him a nice, good, wet <laughs> kiss. He's like, ah. I was like, you, he's I mean, like, nope. Kudos to him to stand it up to you. Yeah. Because I mean, right. that means he didn't jump away and dodge you, right? No, he didn't. Yeah, he also did not expect it. I think he was frozen out of like what just happened. The first time we kissed, it was very non-responsive. <laughs> the first time we kissed. That's I a think great, we've only kissed once. That's a great first. way to, to <laughs> introduce that. The first time DJ and I kissed. I think we've actually only kissed once. I think Adam's one of the only guys well, I've kissed more than once. I don't even remember it. How does that make you feel? In the airplane. You weren't my first or my last. So, Lori, speaking of kissing dudes. <laughs> now I feel it's awkward in here. I'm suddenly uncomfortable. <laughs> Monty at GravityLabRadio.com. If you want hats or beanies, hit me up. But you don't have... I'm still stuck on this cheese nonsense. You don't have, like, a sweet thing that you like? How you doing, girl? Sugar. <laughs> I don't know. Me? No, not our pet names. Food <laughs> that you like. <laughs> I can't think of anything. God, what I'm sorry, cream. I'm so I'm lame. Just, I'm just no trying idea. to fantasize about desserts, and you're letting me down. Ice cream? No, I don't really eat ice cream. Oh, God, this is the most bacon I- bourbon brownie. Boring oh, food oh, porn yeah. conversation. I know. I'm sorry. I'm I'm, a, I'm not a good foodie. I'm sorry. Yeah. Leave. What, okay. So, what took you to England? <laughs> uh, I got my master's degree in England, so I went to school over there, <laughs> and then I started working over there. It sounds so proper. Well, I moved to London for my master's degree <laughs> and fell in love with stinky cheese. Was it at Oxford? Did you write a book? No, about I'm it? not that smart. <laughs> Hogwarts. I wish that would be pretty sweet. So, master's in uh, finance, international finance. Oh, okay. Then yeah. Back to the foreign exchange. Super market. nerdy. Yeah. Sorry. Right, cool. I write papers. My thesis was on um, option volatility and stuff like that. So it's super boring. Mm, yeah, my thesis was on the same thing. Yeah, I know, Total right? Coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> option studios, option volatility. Hold on. Here, here's, a, here's a great segue. How do you feel about cryptocurrency? I think it's fascinating. I do not have any investments in cryptocurrency, but uh, it's definitely something that I've looked at as a potential investment. What about weed stocks? Uh, probably a better investment, I think. So Dude, they're actually pretty strong investments. It's a real tangible yeah. thing. If it's it really is. Unlike made up money. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, isn't money uh, made all? up? Money is good. Isn't <laughs> made up money like isn't all money made up? Mm-hmm. It's only real because we have agreed that it has a value, right? That's right. Yeah, and we owe it all to China. So <laughs> what fucking difference does it make? <laughs> well, well, we better all start learning Mandarin, I think. <laughs> yeah. Or just keep Elvin around a lot longer. Yeah. Yeah, he'll he'll fight him off for a little bit, right? He'll vouch for us. Mm-hmm. We're fucked if Elvin is fighting for us. We've got no prayer. <laughs> I think you just pimp us out. Yeah, <laughs> probably. <laughs> That's better than the alternative, maybe. I think we got totally sidetracked from talking about your experience in the land. That's <laughs> quite all right. Can we come back to that? We got to Elvin pimping us out. <laughs> That's the- but he does He does pimp those hoes. That's what yeah, I man. Mm-hmm. Pimping ain't easy. Yep. I like to say chimpin, Chinese pimp. <laughs> chimpin? That just yeah. makes it sound like bestiality. I don't think I like that. Chimpin ain't easy. <laughs> Doesn't it? You get worn out throwing that poo all the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, why do you guys? Why are you? Why is it still playing on your phone right now? Why are you still listening to this? <laughs> yeah, that's, that is a good question. There's still so, sixteen people listening. Uh, there's, there's, more. <laughs> there's lots of other stuff to do in your life other than listen to this. Wait a minute, nonsense. Australians. We just talked about you again. So now you uh, decide you're busy <laughs> fucking. Wow. Okay. Oh, the chimps. Is that a, a shit throwing joke? Oh my god. <laughs> Sorry, I missed it. 
Dude, so remember the fucking corn tirade we went on at some point with Tex and Alethea? Oh, yeah. Was it a, a corn pun? Alethea, yeah. We sat yeah. here for a while. It was Alethea. pretty corny. I can't think of Alethea's name now and not Lith because he told me that. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody actually signed up for the podcast and left on the podcast server page a comment about how much they loved the derailed corn joke conversation <laughs> you know that i will get lost on a pun tangent if we go down that road <laughs> absolutely man Ooh, and it's never that a short one was road. fun uh, what the one corn fondly. one yeah oh dude oh man i don't remember eating corn <laughs> <laughs> um so you've been doing a lot of hop and pops a lot of crew mm-hmm. a lot of accuracy yeah um first of all we we were trying to talk about crew a lot of people don't know what crew is canopy mm-hmm. relative work mm-hmm. um what got you? Will got you into crew, I'm guessing. Yeah. And, and tell me about how you started getting into it. And you said, we don't talk about Flight Club. Why don't we talk right. about crew? Um, I think there's a perception that crew is actually very dangerous. Um, and there's been some incidences here and there that actually, yeah, it is It is a little bit dangerous. But you really have to trust the people that you're jumping with. But that's because, you know, there is a lot of trust involved when you're sitting on someone else's canopy, right? So, sure. Um, yeah. So Will basically started me out with teaching me how to fly keep my legs in between his canopy that's kind of the initial where we started of how to do crew is like just stay in front of me stay in between my my uncells and that that actually taught me so much about small movements how to stay relative like all things like that so time out you're making no contact you're just flying directly in front and close to him yeah um getting in the position to get into the dock okay Um, And then we went from that to he would pin me and then we would do rotations. So what that means is like, so if you're flying your canopy in front, the guy behind you would come in and dock on your legs. So back back guy is low, front guy is high. Correct. And the back guy would drive his canopy right up to your ass. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that's pinning you. Yep. And then you guys would do rotations. Yes. Two video guys go around the outside. Around the outside. Around the, the outside. Guess <laughs> who's back? Back again. Yeah. The FCC, the FAA won't let me be. God, let me be. Stop. <laughs> so can't you see? Uh, Try to shut me down on TV. But it feels so empty without me. No, I, I'm really understanding why no one has an interest in karaoke night right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. So now what's a rotation? So a rotation is where um, the initial person getting pinned would then fly up and behind the the person who had just pinned them into the same position to the other person. So basically it kind of looks like a rotation like that. And that was really good for teaching me how much breaks, how much do I need to turn, how, how quickly do I need to approach? And also how hard can you hit someone without your canopy collapsing? Because it's pretty hard. It's pretty hard. Uh, there were a couple of times. Under sex tape. What? Sorry. Title of your sex tape. <laughs> oh, yes. You've, thank you. You've heard people make the that's what she said joke. Yeah. He's trying to popularize the statement title of your sex tape in a place. You ever watch uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine with Adam Sandberg? No. Andy Sandberg. It's it's a show. Um, I, I watch that show a lot. And instead of that's what she said, they say title of your sex tape. And thankfully, Justin agrees with me. It's so much better than... That's it's taken me said. a while to get that used to good. saying that rather yeah. than that's what she said. Title of your yeah. sex tape. That it's just that one. time. <laughs> <laughs> it's too fast. Oh, yeah. man, I got lost. So title of your sex tape. Dial it back. You got guys, it. You were, you're figuring out how hard you can hit brakes, how much you can roll it back and forward, mm-hmm. um, how hard you could dock on somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, I really think something that was talked about at the beginning of this is 
almost wrong. Um, and what it is is we don't talk about Fight Club, right? And one of the things that we try to do with crew is we need to keep it quiet. We need to keep it discreet to a point. And the point is is we don't want people trying stupid things dangerously, right? Yeah. But the thing is, is if we hide it, it's not going to stop them from understanding, knowing, or trying to do it. Yeah. So at some point, I'm a huge advocate of exposing it, but also exposing what we're doing to go through it. Mm. One of Nick's best friends, him and Constantine hang out together all the time. Um, they were I've never kissed him on the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> because Constantine will never close his mouth long enough. <laughs> oh, sick burn. And that's coming from me. Yeah, that's the, that's the pot calling the kettle black. Right, right there. dude. What's up, kettle? You're black. Um, so uh, if people see we're doing it, Constantine, one of the things that he's done is he's being a little bit more transparent with what he's doing, letting people see what he's doing and be very forthright with what it's taking to do it. Um, whether it's doing it just to, to put on an extra part of the show, because some of the stuff he's doing is really flashy, mm-hmm. um, or whether it's doing it just to make sure people understand not everybody should try this. Yeah. I do think we should advertise a little bit more that we that I do crew or this is what we're doing so we can give them that, hey, if you want to learn it, let me know there's ways we can do this. Yeah. Because I'm actually okay with somebody with 100 jumps going out and learning to do crew. Depends who it is. Yeah. If it's Elvin, no. Asian drivers, no survivors. <laughs> oh, no. We go wrong way. Sorry. Sorry, mister. Sorry. What kind of money do they have in China? Yuan. Yuan? Yeah. Okay. Um, I know it was like the yen. It's mm. yen in Japanese, mm. but I didn't know. How do you spell that one? Y-U-A-N. Okay. Yuan. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you can buy us some of that. Uh, crew, I think it's something that should be shared more. How many crew jumps have you done? Oh, good question. Uh. 20 or 30 maybe and before you guys did the first crew jump was there any briefing or extra knowledge that you guys shared a lot yeah so we briefed the first few a lot and we brief all of them a lot yeah um especially when we started doing a little bit more advanced stuff Mm -hmm. like um the beginning it was safety a lot of safety a lot of safety a lot of safety and going through the inputs and then once you i got better at the inputs it was okay now we're going to take it to the next step let's have him come down my lines. Well, what are the potential things that could happen with that? You know, what are the potential things when you go into a side by side? What are the potential things? So we would really like brief the dive flow as much as we would do like, like dirt diving for a belly jump. So as we got more complicated, as we got into more advanced things, um, I think we both just kind of learned how to fly together a little bit more. Sure. Um, and then then I started downsizing, so then things changed a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, well, didn't have enough weight belts to figure that out? <laughs> <laughs> if you guys don't know, Will, he has a few weight belts. And if he doesn't, he will make himself the right new one to fit for the job yeah. tomorrow. Yeah, no, he's really good. <laughs> he's, a, he's a creative guy. Um, I want to go a little bit back to the briefings in the beginning. So first of all, you say you guys would debrief or brief rather like a normal belly jump. I don't think that's fair to say. The reason I say that is is I don't think the average person dirt dives as well as you guys dirt dove your crew jumps. No, probably not. I also don't think the average person dirt dives as well as I should. So... um, but then what I want to go back to is what kind of the, the safety briefing. That's what I really want to hit on that because I want to talk a little bit about what you had to learn, know, or understand before you should get next to somebody under canopy. Yeah. So the first part was um, basically making sure that your RSL is detached because in case something does happen and it is extreme, like what 
you don't want to be just like pulling your cut away and throwing your reserve out in somebody's face. I mean, that was like kind of step number one. Um, and then it was more about um, this input does this, this input does that. If, you know, if you feel unsafe, feel free to break away, feel free to like discontinue the jump. Um, but a lot of it was the different canopy inputs do this. This is kind of what this does. And he was also really cool, like letting me figure some stuff out too. Like if it wasn't working, you know, I would try a different input. So he would give me a little bit of space, which was cool in the beginning, like to get me more comfortable. Cause you can tell somebody, oh, well you just need a little bit of rear riser and maybe a little bit of front riser, but like until you go out and fly it, it's hard, right? So it was just a lot of, if this happens, then we do this. If this happens, then you do this. If this happens, like... Having plans. Yeah. So, hook knives. Did you carry a hook knife? Absolutely. How many? One. One. You make faces, as I, I know said. I shouldn't, because you're always going to drop the first one. <laughs> and so, how many should you carry? Have you ever heard a rule of a crew dog, how many knives you should carry? God, I don't know that I've ever had a real conversation with someone who would identify as a crew dog. Crew dog. It's even a lost word. You look at me as I say crew dog. Like, no, I, I, it's certainly a word yeah. that I've... That I'm familiar with. But it's still a lost word. But it's like, yeah, it yeah. feels like saying, you know, sky surfer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, they're all dead. Um, there was a joke how you want to meet the best sky surfers ever? Yeah, kill yourself. Oh, because yeah. a lot of the best sky surfers ever actually died through some tragic accident or something crazy. Um, three, one to drop, one to break, one to use. Yeah. And so, yeah. You, uh, and I was curious because I'm honestly kind of shocked that you and Will did crew and you didn't have at least two. Yeah. Because Will, I'm sure, would promote doing two, three. Matter of fact, Will probably promoted having a hook knife for every appendage you own. Mm -hmm. It's like, I got this kind of knife here, this kind of knife there. Yeah. I, we, I definitely, the, the more I realized that I didn't have a second one, the more I was like, this is probably really stupid, but that's safe yeah. Fortunately, it worked out. You didn't need it. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think there's anything wrong with jumping only with one hook knife doing crew. I think it's better to jump with more. So For sure. Big difference between those two ideas. Yeah. Can you think of a situation where you would reach for that hook knife? On a crew jump? Yeah. Uh, if I am in a canopy collision and I have a line wrapped around me in a place that's uncomfortable, a place that, cre uh, that uh, hinders a good clean cutaway or breakaway from me and the other person. Okay, yeah, someone's chopped and a you're rat. still towing that thing. Um, Maybe start hacking away at it. Probably not. Probably land with it unless I'm towing it and it's creating an issue. If it's creating an issue, I would. As an average everyday skydiver, I carry a hook knife for one reason and one reason only. <laughs> um, in case I have a line over on my reserve that I can't deal with. And, and that is it. And even then... I don't recommend you just cutting that line. I recommend getting to understand and know a canopy and know what line you're going to cut because landing a line over could be more dangerous or could be safer depending on what line it is. So, uh, so uh, an inboard suspension line, you're probably going to be a little more likely to chop. Yeah, yeah. But your your outside A, you're probably going to hang on to that one. Yeah, more than likely keeping that motherfucker. <laughs> that one's pretty important <laughs> to me. Um, I've actually used a hook knife twice in my career. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Tell yeah. me about those times. Uh, a girl on a tandem had put her head on my shoulder on opening, and her hair got caught in the three ring, and oh. it was such a big chunk, I couldn't tear it out, so I used a hook knife to cut it out. Twice I've done that. <laughs> okay. <Wow. All> right. <laughs> so anticlimactic. Like, yeah, I was like, man, well, tell me about this crazy rap. We almost lost DJ. <laughs> <laughs> nope, but a girl nope. lost some hair. Nope. I've given two under canopy haircuts in my life with hook knives. Oh, that explains your uh, little hair dolls that you've got, those little voodoo dolls I saw. 
I told them it fell out and I couldn't give it back to them. <laughs> You're not supposed to. That's why I asked for the pictures of the girl. I actually put their face on the voodoo dolls. Oh, it's yeah. very weird. <laughs> okay, so uh, how many of these crew jumps before you before you took that first dock, would you say? Like before you guys are actually touching cloth? Probably like five. Okay, that's that's not that's not a crazy amount. No, nah, it seems re- very rational though, re- mm-hmm. very reasonable. Yeah. You have how many jumps at this point? Three hundred ish, four hundred ish. No, it was before the competition, so I had like a hundred and something. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Maybe, okay. Maybe two, maybe around two hundred, no, something I, like that. I'm, I'm going back on my way back when machine. Remember, you had very I, low I, jump. I numbers. was going to bring my logbook so I could look it up, but I was like, I don't want to be that big of a nerd. <laughs> I totally would be, but it's no. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to embrace it. You didn't show up with notes. It's okay. Yeah, I yeah. thought about it too, but I didn't. We had pages <laughs> of notes for our first show. Pages. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't think either one of us lo- really looked at that. Our, no, no. We looked at them like out of like, not like just, just looking. I'm like, I don't know what to do for a minute. So I'm looking at this piece of paper like it's important. And that is it. So, um, oh, by the way, uh, CD left a comment in the feed. And here it is. That's yeah. <laughs> you knew it before you yeah he yeah. just left the middle finger emoji so yeah. cd um gives you that the was bird. right about the time you said i want it oh yeah okay good you know the difference between you and cd i make this look good no you can stand up and landing <gasps> oh <laughs> charles i'm I did so not sorry <laughs> do you know this backstory Nick, no but i need to so the first pd comp was here CD, had he stood up a landing and not taken a knee, would have made podium and would have gone to uh, the land to compete. But his last jump here at that comp was four ninety nine. So he immediately got online and registered again because as long as you register sub-500 jumps, you are, uh, qualify. And then went to the last qualifier, Z Hills, and once again took a knee to knock himself off the podium. So had he stood up either one of those landings, he would have been competing. And quite frankly, it, you guys, he might have been on the top on the podium with you guys. He's, yeah, he, oh, for sure. He's by far extremely capable of winning it with accuracy. He's very good. But you have to stand up, CD. <laughs> you have to stand up. Oh, she gave you the bird back, bro. <laughs> Sorry about that. You can't see it. So there you go, Charles. Take that. Um, you do a bunch of crew jumps. You've gotten these briefings. Now, you say some things about the briefings, but for example, disconnect the RSL because, Nick, if you and I are in a wrap and I cut away, I want to get free and clear of the mess that I leave Nick with before I get to my reserve. Um, also, we break off crew how high? Uh, no, more before, uh, no more below 2,500 feet. So we use our decision altitude in many cases or higher for, a lot, for some cases because some people, my decision altitude is a little bit lower than that, not tons. So we always break off crew above our decision altitude. So having an RSL disconnected means I'm still in that very high free fall chance. I can get back and get into free fall and still be okay. So we're not low or close to the ground. Mm-hmm. Other safety things. Did you guys talk about what to do in the event of a wrap and a cutaway? Uh, yeah. So if it, well, and it depends on who, which of the people you are too, right? So, so. tell me what you got. So if you're the bottom person, uh, communication is key. So you only communicate positive words. So if someone says, cut away, you don't say don't cut away because all you're going to hear is cut away. So you need to have, that's why we would always jump with open face helmets is so that we could talk to each other very easily under canopy. And it was, I mean, we're super close to each other anyway, so you can always hear each other. But basically once the decision was made to cut away, 
whoever was the one that going to be cutting away, you agree to do it, then you do it. So then if you're left with the canopy, the other person falls away, can pull their reserve. If you're the person with a the canopy, then you've got to deal with this thing. You manage it, you basically try to ball it up as much as you can, or you just try to get rid of it, whatever's possible. So Shut that, it. Yeah, it's to get rid of it. If you can't get rid of it, you just make it as small as you can so it's getting as less air as it can. And then, you know, you can either land or whatever, but... I want to go backwards a little bit, and, and some of it I think you were a little bit ambiguous with. You were going over very quickly. I kind of put you on the spot. Uh, the top guy's in charge of communicating, yeah. not the bottom guy, right? Yeah. And the top guy's going to say, cut away, is only going to use what commands. And the top guy's in charge because Lori's canopy wrap around me. I can sit there and say, I got this. I can get out. So you just chill and hang out down there, bro. Yeah. So only tell what you're going to do and mimic it with hand commands. So if I'm going to tell Lori to cut away, I'm going to mimic cut away. I think it's super important the don't thing you just said. You, one of our former guests, Demo. Demo was on the show uh, on the show now whenever ago. He was on a crew jump here in Spaceland Houston, and he yelled, "Don't cut away!" to the guy below him because Demo was about to clear the mess. And the guy cut away everything. Then's okay. It's all super high. It's all super safe. But the guy cut away from something he didn't need to cut away from. He didn't have to go chasing. Now he had to go chase a main. He had to go chase a free bag. That's, I mean, it's a little concerned, but still. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of really important rules. Crew, I highly recommend it, um, but I highly recommend good safety briefing. Find somebody good to learn from. The thing that you mentioned is how much brakes I would give to speed up or pass or to slow down or how to get in front or how to get behind. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that? What, what, how did that perception help you? It helped a lot because it gives you a lot more knowledge of what you can do when you're close to the ground if you've got gotten yourself into a bad situation when you're in, a, in an accuracy competition. So typically what would happen is that you try to run the cleanest pattern you can, but obviously, you know, wind or whatever is going to change that a little bit. So knowing what you can do to manipulate your canopy to like, oh, I'm coming in too hot. How do I drop a lot of altitude super fast? How do I back up? Like, how do I back up my canopy if I'm too long? Like, you can back up. I mean, I didn't even know that was a thing, you know, but you can back it up. So learning how to manipulate all the different inputs to make your less than perfect pattern become better helped a lot. Because, I, I mean, you know, if you're, if you're aiming for a target and there's no wind, you aim before the target and then you can use your brakes, you can use your risers to get into the target. You know, you always aim long if you're going to be in a windy day because you know you can drop altitude if you need to drop altitude. So learning how to do that safely up in the sky was a huge difference, especially in that first competition too. You're close to the ground for how long? Oh, I don't know. If you're Nick, 30 seconds as you surf across the ground <laughs> making it rain because he's flying backwards. That's a new trick. <laughs> oh, What's man. that? <laughs> Nothing. The making it rain so, is, is you're doing well. Yeah, it's, it's getting kind of fun. Oh, dude, so have you seen <laughs> this landing? It's real fun, first load when the grass is really dewy and there's actually water flying as I'm making it rain. Does anybody know, oh, has anybody trick. seen this landing? I haven't seen that it's one. So, I think I've stupid. seen it. The, I think you did it the other it's, day. It's stupid. Ex- describe it because I love it. Dude. Okay, so it's basically a ghost rider lazy boy. So lazy boy meaning that I'm, I'm laid out with my feet in front of me. I'm sliding Mostly, like, the, the entire backside of my body is sliding if I'm wearing a rig that I don't care that much about. <laughs> and then uh, I let go of my toggles and my rears. I bring my hands out front and, and <laughs> do the making it rain hand hand thing. And then I'll usually grab my rears and pop back up to my feet. 
and we fucking cheer like it's so stupid it's so stupid (laughs) you know i learned this about freestyle that it's totally pointless to any like no one enjoys it unless they're a skydiver because someone saw me do what i would say is a pretty good blind man someone who wasn't a skydiver and from the sidelines asked someone who was a skydiver, oh, did he do that on purpose? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if, it's like, if that's the level of awe we're achieving is, was that an accident or not? Yeah, it's not that cool. No, he's but, horrible. But man, it's fun. <laughs> I've seen multiple times a blind man pulled off beautifully, not even sloppy at all. And a tandem student or their mother go, he almost crashed. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. He, he, good man, he pulled it out, didn't he? He got lucky. Woo, we call him lucky. Yeah. I'm going to start telling tandem students that. We call him lucky. Just whoever, it, whatever they see, like, oh, yeah, dude, his name's Lucky. Call him. Like, when he said, when he walks by, I say, hey, what's up, Lucky? <laughs> Please, if you ever have a tandem student call you Lucky, tell me about that. Okay. I, okay. I, <laughs> man, it would be so fun to hear. So, uh, get get a good briefing maker, Rain. I forget where we got to. <laughs> I lost complete track. Hey, you can buy these hats, man. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be mad at my hat. I'm a little bit jealous. It's cool. Uh, so, hold on. You were on. Am I going to start a new conversation? Go for or do you it. Remember where, where you're at? No, go for it. So, I'm curious what uh, what free fall has turned into for for you with with all this canopy focus. Are you still doing free fall jumps? So I started doing um, free fall jumps yesterday. And it was super weird because I was like, what are all these canopies doing? I am terrified. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have no idea what these people are doing up here. I have to find my way back into a pattern. I don't I can't remember the last time I did like a full day of free like free fall. But like, now you're hop and pop traffic spoiled, huh? I am a little bit. Yeah. No, it's actually it was weird. I did a belly jump and I was like, oh, my God, levels like this is basic stuff. I can't even remember how to do. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's weird. And I've been doing a lot of um, tracking jumps, too. So trying to get better at tracking. So let's just say my belly skills are not quite what I used to be. I really want to steal off of what you actually reminded me when I was trying to think of and talk about. And that was uh, your, your conversation is a perfect segue. You talked about all these different drills you're doing under canopy, practicing approaches. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, that Zevia got me, man. Ooh, it tastes so good. Oh, dude, I got some chocolate. I, will you get to the fucking question? <laughs> I got some of the good chocolate. Um, the uh, uh, the pattern work you were doing, were you doing all these wonky things in a normal pattern or were you doing these in hop and pops? What environment were you doing it on? Oh, I, yeah, just hop and pops. I don't try to do weird stuff when I'm like with other people. But um, <laughs> when I was doing fly side stuff, it was just literally doing as clean of a pattern as I could no matter where it was. Than just trying to move the pattern around to fit the wind conditions. When you say as clean of a pattern as possible, what do you mean by that? So I tried to make it look as much as like the typical pattern could. Mm-hmm. Consistent turns, consistent entry points. Um, that I mean, the fly sight for when I was doing my pro rating, like that helped a thousand percent. So when you say consistent entry point, are you meaning like where you are over the ground or what your altitude is? What do you mean? Both. Okay. So basically, I was using my fly sight. P- picking a s- particular point on the ground at a particular altitude and making sure every time I went on a jump, I hit that spot so that that way I knew exactly how long. So if it was eight seconds this way and it was eight seconds that way and I knew it was eight seconds this way, trying to run exactly the same turn, exactly the same entry points, exactly the same spots on the ground time and time and time and time and time again. I'm such a nerd. <laughs> I, I really appreciate the. Like, I I use my Audible, and I don't know how well, 
I think my turn would suffer if I didn't use my audible mm. because I would have to give a little. I mean, I'm always under canopy. I check my altimeter a thousand times more often than I check it in free fall because mm-hmm. I have, if I'm on a, a work jump, if I'm shooting a tandem video, I have one audible, but two people looking at their altimeters. And if I'm on a free fly jump, I have two audibles. So I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty used to trusting my audibles for, for pull time. Mm-hmm. But canopy stuff, um, I have a few beeps at a few different altitudes, but until I get low enough for those beeps to start, I'm monitoring my altitude to, to make sure I'm in the right spot. Yeah. And I wonder how well I would do taking those beeps away. And that's what mm-hmm. I wanted to ask about the fly site. Have you mm-hmm. have you done a lot of this without the input from from the fly site since training with it? Yeah. And how, and how has that changed? So instead of um, so when I was doing it, there's like two kind of things. So when I'm doing it for my pro rating, I was using it. I was using my fly site every single jump because I wanted to know every single jump. But when I was training for the accuracy competition, I was actually using the spot as my reference point. So I got to a point where I could actually say, okay, there's where my frisbee is. If I know the wind is 10 miles an hour, I need to start my pattern at one spot. If it's no wind, I need to start it over here. So I would actually be able to adjust my pattern based on where my target was and what the wind condition was. So I stopped using the ground as a reference and started using that spot as my reference, if that answers your question. So you stopped, you stopped using landmarks as a reference? Uh, yeah, I'd use like, nothing on the ground as my reference, just that, just that one spot. Interesting. And yeah. so how would, how would you decide where you're starting your pattern based on your spot? Based on what the wind was. So I got to know my pattern so well that I knew where my entry point needed to be to set me up at seven. So my, and this is something that I, I didn't know that other people used is that I was using 750, 500 and 250 as my reference points, like mm-hmm. my turning points. Um, but I got to a point where I, if I knew what the wind was, I knew exactly how far over and back I needed to start my pattern to hit the frisbee. So I want to, I'll put a little more context to this because this is something we teach in the canopy course and it's a back to back topic. Number one is accuracy through consistency. Fly your pattern the way it was designed to be flown. Start in a spot, fly it exactly how you mean to fly it, see where you end. Mm -hmm. If you overshoot your target by 500 feet past and 300 feet to the side, move your pattern entry that much and just make your pattern fit to where you want. So A, find a good consistent pattern, mm-hmm. accuracy through consistency, and then B, we talk about sight picture. Once you have accuracy through consistency, hey, where's my target at compared to me at 900 feet? Where is it at compared to me at 600 feet? Where is it at compared to me at 300 feet? And so no matter where I go in the world, I don't have to start over the dirty pond. At 900 feet, or 750 in your case, mm-hmm. my target's directly across from me. Mm-hmm. On a medium wind day, it's about that angle. On a 20 mile hour wind day, it's about, and, and I'm probably pointing to what you see as very appropriate angles, because mm-hmm. I use that same mindset. Get accurately consistent, not necessarily accurately where you want to be, and then move that around and find your sight picture. Mm-hmm. Does that put more context for you? Yeah, that makes sense. It's just a pretty different way than, than my brain thinks about it. So it's just interesting to hear uh, your take on it because it's just different. Yeah. What do you use? Uh, almost no thought at all, if I'm being <laughs> honest. Yeah. Um, it's it's for me. It's just uh, I guess it's just experience, and I and I and I look at it, and I'm I'm pretty great at uh, at accuracy, but um, I'm far less analytical than you. But I think that the time in my development that that knowledge would have been a great foundation and probably a really good shortcut to, to learning. 
I was just busy doing skydives and having fun. I think the big difference is the era. You know, we joked around sure. about earlier. Yeah, fly sites were definitely not a thing when I started. Yeah, you're young and we're old. This is a point where you're old and she's young and skydiving. Um, you guys sense. might not know this, but Lori's actually 58. <laughs> so uh, you look phenomenal for 58, Lori. Oh, my God. If, you, if you're 58, holy fuck. Um, and, and so, yeah, when I learned, we didn't have these bits of information. Where today, that bit of information is back to we teach it in a basic course. It's, it's something I taught today. Um, and, and it really fundamentally helps so much because I don't need my altimeter. I just go where I go. I'm like you. When I learned to fly canopies, when I first started coaching canopies, somebody goes, hey, man, how do you flare? And my response wasn't but wanted to be, how do you not flare? Like, <laughs> what do you mean? How do you stop your car? I mean, what the fuck's wrong with you? And it took me, oh, I think a couple years to figure out how to explain things because I'm with you. I just understood it. Um, I didn't have to think hard about it. Now I've actually had to go both sides. I mean, I, I agree. Like, my my... Uh, where I start my pattern is is super consistent based on where I intend to to land and, and what the winds are doing. Mm-hmm. But I I wouldn't you know I wouldn't look to see what the ground winds were before we got on the plane and start doing math. I would just look at what the windsock was doing, or you know maybe maybe I looked at the uppers. That's usually a thing I do. But but I'm not thinking about oh it's ten miles an hour out of the south, which means I'm going to be over here and this and that. I'm just going to see what the flag's doing, maybe see what the what the water on the pond is doing. And then the arrow is super helpful for where your holding area should be. Mm-hmm. And uh, if anyone doesn't have a landing direction indicator at their drop zone, it's a giant arrow. A tetrahedron works the same way, points the direction uh, that you're going to land, also points to where your holding area should be relative to where you're going to land. So that's the first thing I look at. Where's the arrow? Cool. How much is the is the flag moving? Cool. I know, I know where I'm going to start my pattern. Mm-hmm. But uh, you've scienced the shit out of it, which is awesome. Yeah, like in <laughs> when I when I started doing my when I started doing my prodery and got to a point where I would like, and this is I'm sorry, I'm gonna totally nerd out on you for a second, but like I had a book, and every single jump I would write down the time, the temperature, the wind direction, the wind speed, and then the highs and lows for the first five, ten, twenty minutes. So I knew if it was consistent or not, and how much I was missing by mm-hmm. if I if I was missing. So, yeah, like I tried to math, math it to death. But it got to a point where, like, I would look at the windsock, I would look at the tetrahedron, I would look at the flag on the tetrahedron, and then just know what speed it was without having to, like, look at the clock to say, oh, it's, the clock says it's 15. I would just be able to look and then feel, oh, it feels like it's around 15. So I really want to re, I want to encourage your last statement really well. So many people rely on a forecast or a current report on what the winds are. Learn to read the wind indicator and pull out your phone if you're at Spaceland. Your phone tells you the winds. We have those load clocks and go, hey, I think that wind sock's going 10 to 15. Look at it and see what it says and get to the point where you can do exactly that. I, I bet money Nick looks at the wind sock and immediately knows this is exactly where I'm going to set up 10 at the exact this exact point. I do the same thing. I'm going to bet at this point just Justin's in that same boat. I look at the windsock. I know what I need. Have you ever been under canopy and the winds change from when you took off? The answer is yes if you've been skydiving more than 30 jumps. If you're under canopy and you can look at that windsock, that wind indicator, that flat, whatever it is, and you can recognize exactly what that change is to a metric you described, hey, that's 15 miles an hour. You will accurately, more comfortably, more confidently land better. When do most accidents happen? When people aren't comfortable and aren't confident. 
It unfortunately is a fact that comfort and confidence doesn't make you safe, but it does help you make better decisions. So I love the fact that you're doing that. Whoever taught you that is a brilliant man. <laughs> yeah, I, he's I wonder great. if whoever taught he's you great. that offers coach uh, or canopy coaching. Right here, the ratingcenter.com on this <laughs> nice new beanie you can buy. Gosh. Check it out. <laughs> are they even a sponsor of Gravity Lab Radio? Uh, Gravity Rob. We are a sponsor of Gravity Rob. <laughs> man, what, uh, if, rating center. what if I wanted a coach course? We can do that too. We what if a, I wanted my tandem rating? We do that. What if I want to be an AFF instructor? I saw that, Scott. We have one coming in January. <laughs> O-M-G. We're even going to start offering canopy courses in you know, you Chinese. Sound, you sound super white. So I don't know if you, if people who listen to the podcast, oh, hell no. they might be offended by your Asian accent. No, yeah, absolutely, man. If you don't, even if you meet me, you're probably still going to think I'm white. I, I am as white as white boy as they get. I just have a Japanese name. Donji is my given name if you've never heard it. My mother is as Asian as fuck as it gets. You've at least seen video of my mother, I believe. Um, have you? Have I shown you my poor Asian mother talking funny? Yeah, you did. That's <laughs> yeah. exactly what you're showing. <laughs> um, so I, I really, really, really am half Asian. Grew up in Japan for four years. Pretty effing Asian, but no, I'm a white boy in all reality. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm still, white. I'm still offended, triggered. I might even say that's no. because you're short and you think you're Asian. God you have Asian damn. syndrome. I know karate. No karate. <laughs> That's not true. Justin karate. knows karate. I shouldn't say that. He'll be kung fu. I say kung fu. It's not karate. Yeah. yeah. Taekwondo. No. I thought you said Taekwondo. Hey, Kung Fu. You watching the fight Saturday night? Having fights. The UFC card? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Usman, do that. Covington. It's a good card. You did you watch, watch the boxing match Justin. on Saturday? I did. I, I don't know the results. I did not. Um, I, I've heard the results. I, I heard I don't how wanna, it went. I don't want to know yet. Um, so Lori has just taken off. So let's talk about. So now we're going to talk shit about her. Let's do you want to <laughs> talk about fighting or do you want to talk shit about Lori? Let's talk about the uh, thing that's never going to happen again. Us, karaoke night. Us kissing? Karaoke? karaoke. Ah, Your dreams are over. Karaoke night. <laughs> what about so karaoke night? We had one person respond to all the things that we said. We're not going to do it again. You got to let us know. So Kevin Craig is the only person who's reached <laughs> out and said, I want karaoke night to still happen. He'd even throw down. And Kevin, I really appreciate that offer. Uh, wait, but unless he, like 20 more sing? people respond. And he wants a beanie too. He just now said that. Yo, Kevin, uh, hit me up uh, Sunday maybe. Am I going to be there Sunday? Am I going to the drop on Sunday? Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Um, yeah, well, send me a message, man. We'll save you. We'll set some aside. We'll figure that out, buddy. Um, TRC Gravity Lab, let me know which ones. Uh, dude, I, unless we get like, if I have three or four people tell me they want to do karaoke night, oh, I'm still man. not doing it. I need like 20 I, yeah, people yeah, to respond. Say 20. Okay, 20. That's, That's exactly enough. the number that was okay. in my head. I want to talk instead about. And if you say that you're a supporter karaoke night, that's an automatic sign up to get on stage. Yeah. Yep. I agree. I the, feel like you should be required to, to go up there at least twice. And if you say you can't sing well enough to do karaoke, have you seen me at karaoke night? Or Billy. I Billy, <laughs> oh my God. Or that one person who's saying that I shall remain Come nameless. Come on, don't, go, don't even do it. I'm I not, know who I'm, you I'm mean. Not, don't do it. That's don't, it. Don't do it. Uh, th that's all I needed was you to know. As long as you're there, I'm there. So unless we get 20 people, I'm sorry, guys. Karaoke night is done. It's washed up at half has been it's just not happening again as it sits right now our only agenda this next year is the deland road show um we're gonna have a film festival for sure if, if you, you want to get together with your buddies oh. that's that's the night yeah film festival if karaoke night was anywhere near as successful as as the film festival it'd be on it, yeah it'd be it'd be happening so are we gonna do a movie <laughs> night sometime soon are we doing those again 
I I would attend a movie night. Oh, those are fun. Yeah, we got to pick a movie, man. I got Disney Plus. We can watch The Mandalorian. <laughs> you know, wasn't the last movie night? It's been a year, right? Almost. Yeah, yeah. We did. It was in January. We did them after during time change. We didn't do them after time change. I think it might have been, even been on my birthday. Maybe it was the day after my birthday. Was it Lion King? Because Kate made us watch Lion King one year, one time. <laughs> I feel like it could have been Lion King. Were you, Dude, were you here for movie nights at all? Got, I've was been, I was one. here for Point Break. <laughs> yes. Was that the one Jeff got drunk and slept at the drop zone and crawled around like a crab backwards? <laughs> I missed that. Have you seen that Drunk Jeff? Uh, no, I'm eagerly it's awaiting seeing so Drunk adorable. Jeff. Yeah. It's so adorable. Fo- it's like, oh my God, that's, <laughs> it's a child getting drunk. <laughs> it's so cute. <laughs> drop zone was January 26th. That was when? That's when we had it. January 26th. Yeah, that's the day before my birthday. Yeah. So we'll do some movie night sometime soon. And the one have before seen, was December 1st. Have you seen the new Lion King? Have not. Mm-mm. It's pretty good. Oh, yeah. I have not. They only fucked up one song, but there were some other things that I thought were better than the cartoon. Oh, dear. Yeah. Thumbs fighting words. If you're, if you're a big fan of Lion King, I think you'd like it. So I have a really hard time with reboots. Like um, a, a great example that I loved, what we talked about this one already was uh, Aladdin, and I if, like that one too. If you're, I oh, dude, Aladdin was a crusher. I loved it. If you're gonna do a reboot, you can't even just try to act like it's gonna be the same movie because you're just gonna fuck it up. But Aladdin was the exact same movie, and they couldn't have done a better job of repeating it. Um, I have the fear that if I watch The Lion King, it's gonna ruin The Lion King for me. It did not ruin it for me, not one bit. Okay, you're you're pretty you're pretty good at being critical, and you're also pretty good at. Hating things. Uh, hating things. <laughs> but you're also pretty good at saying, like, I liked it. I don't know if you would. You're pretty good at, at giving your biased version, but also saying, but I don't know if your biases would like it. I think you'd like it. Okay. So, yeah, I'll try it. It's, okay. it's on Disney Plus, right? We'll watch that's it. A, I, I don't know. Yes. You're going to check now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm positive. I think it, that's a Disney movie. No? Yeah. It is. Lori, favorite yeah. movie. Go. Oh. Oh, my God. Uh, on the Zombieland? Spot like that. Zombieland, that's Zombieland. a good one. I didn't yeah. expect that. That's yeah. a good movie. I do have a list of my own rules, too. Do you? Yeah. What are your Skydiving rules? rules? How many rules are on the list? Five. What's rule number two? Uh, have fun. That's an important rule. What's yeah. rule number one? Double tap. Make it look good. What's rule number three? Um, be it, safe. Make it look good, have fun, be so safe. So these aren't your Safety rules? Third. These are the, no, these are my skydiving rules. Okay, what's third rule number four? Um, you can touch my bum as long as you say good game. <laughs> or it's on video. And that's rule number five. You can do whatever you want as long as it's on video. Man, I am going to exploit the <laughs> shit out of rule number five. Yeah, I've actually walked up to her trying to roll my camera. like throw the selfie cam on, girl. Let's go. Get weird over here, man. What's do, up, Pedro? Do you remember learning the golden rules of skydiving? Was that a thing? It sounds familiar, but I don't remember. I, I know that. Know the, know the plan. Stay ahead of the jump. No, plan the jump, stick to the plan. I don't fucking remember, but one of them is know when to say no, which is, I, I think, an important thing that is becoming a little bit lost of people thinking that it's cooler to be brave and conquer the challenge than to know when you're beat. Yeah. And I think knowing when to say no, especially for people without a lot of experience, is, uh, is important. As there, There's this cliche thing that we've all said and heard a million times, is it's better to be on the ground wishing you were in the sky in the sky wishing you were on the ground mm-hmm. H- have you had this moment and in being in the, in the sky wishing you were on the ground oh yeah like i think the first time i jumped in like 26 mile an hour winds and there was a storm coming in and i was like this was about the dumbest thing i could have done right now this yeah. is what he told me what happened <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
didn't do that again. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I think the, the funny thing too is like, so when I guess it, and maybe it's just because when I got here, I didn't have that many jumps, like only a hundred jumps. And there was a lot of us that came with very low jump numbers. <coughs> I think our attention to safety was probably not as good as it could have been. And I think over time we've realized, especially more of us now towards the end where some of us have been injured or whatever, um, are a lot more safety aware than, than some, some of us were in the beginning for sure. And some of you still are. Right. Have you been injured this year? Yeah. Tell me about that. Yeah. So, um, sometimes my commitment to accuracy is is greater than my body's ability to withstand the landings that I put myself through. Okay. (laughs) Cause you're old. Cause I'm old and it takes forever. Uh, no. So, so I was, um, I was going for the target one time and I thought I could have it if I did something rather questionable. So I was like, I don't know what this does. So I'm just going to try it and see what happens. Yeah. That wasn't the smartest thing I've ever done. And what was your, your questionable move? Um, I think it was a low turn flare. So I think I was doing kind of like a, I think this Carving is one flare. I saw. I didn't hurt myself on that one. I'm pretty good at low turns, but <laughs> I, I th- but is this one of the ones I was out there for? No, I think Fadala was out there. Okay. Yeah, and I hurt my ankle, and then I was like, then I got really upset, and I was like, oh, I hurt myself. This is really stupid. I can't believe I did that. And then the next day, I went out and hurt the other one. So yeah, you know. Well, at least you were balanced. <laughs> what do you tell a woman with two black eyes? <laughs> no, you don't. You're, told, you're her told her twice. <laughs> Man. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> We're going to run out of time if I'm not careful for these next few questions, so I do need to bring them up. So the PD Accuracy Competition, you went through this thing in, G- in June it was. You qualified for the finals. Now at some point all these other sub-500 guys and gals ha- have earned the opportunity, and everybody meets in Deland, Florida for the finals. Yeah. What are the finals for this competition? What are the finals? Yeah, how many rounds? Three rounds, um, same one rules. practice, same rules, okay. one practice jump. Same day practice jump? Yes. So four rounds in the same day. And I'll, let's, man, any canopy competition that allows a practice jump on the same day before accuracy, before it starts, that's, that's a gift. Mm-hmm. It really is. Um, first round, number one, how many passes, how many loads are there? Two loads, two passes, um, okay. 23 competitors. So there was more on the first plane than the second plane. There was six and then five. First load, where, which plane were you on? First pass, second pass? Uh, I was second pass, second plane, second pass, next to last out. So you're the second to last competitor. Only Jordan was behind me. Jordan, I was going to say, yeah. was the other one. Because it looked like you guys kept order the entire competition. Yep, we did, yeah. Okay. So when you took off for your first pass your first load was the second load the first other first load already landed did you knew what they did or were you you didn't know anything yet um we could kind of watch the first pass of the first load land so um on the first competition jump i knew that there were some people doing some very good things for sure so you had an idea what was in front of you Mm -hmm. and what was your score on the first round one point something one point something. Do you one point one five maybe? I say I think you know better than that, just as a guess. Uh, and explain what one point one five means. So that would be one point one five meters away from the fifteen inch target. One point two four, by one, the way. Okay, one point two four. One point two four. So one meter, one point two four meters away from the target. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first round, I'm just going to read some of the first round scores to let you guys and gals know it's tight. Point five five zero, which means the guy gets a bullseye. 
There are a lot of really tight scores up there. So you know you got it hard. Yeah. So first round, when you land, when do you realize that you have a decent score? Oh, I didn't have a decent score in the first round at all. (laughs) You did? (laughs) One, two, three. I was probably behind seventh or eighth place. You're sixth in the first round. Yeah. So six. That wasn't great. Six is not a bad place to be, especially when sixth is one behind first, one one meter behind first. So you're not that far off. Yeah. So, but you feel like after first round you didn't do good. No, I felt like I was out already. (laughs) Dude, so hard on myself. I don't care who you are right now. If you're driving down the road, don't try this. But I want you to go to the drop zone this weekend. I want you to imagine a 15 inch disc. Uh, diameter disc and I want you to land on that 15 inch disc every time and everybody I know says that's easy everybody I know tells me how good and how close they're going to be all the time mm-hmm. how many people this year told you that they could be accurate and come close to your disc a lot how many did very few besides CD besides CD yeah because yeah. he face planted on it no <laughs> <laughs> no man most people don't right yeah that no, it's, I mean it's true. I mean we did have a we did have a an informal ish, all spaceland drop zone competition, and I came in fifth. So you know I and it was no wind, and that's my hardest condition, right? So yeah, but that was because you were having an off day, not because you were necessarily no. It's because no wind is my yeah. Is that, my that's your bitch. It's yeah. Your um, and to tell people how hard it is to be accurate, Nick, you shoot video for a living. Mm-hmm. One of the things you do for a living is judge accuracy because my job as a tandem instructor is to land right in front of you so you can get the best shot of my student's face landing and capturing his moment of a fucking lifetime. I would say that's part of the job, yeah. Yeah. My job is to present you with the moment of a lifetime. And how often does somebody not give you that opportunity to do your job? How often does a tandem instructor miss a, by miss? a decent bit? Oh, gosh. Maybe one in... Between one in 50 and one in 100. Yeah. I think they do it more than that. I think they land a little further away, but you work to help them I out. I mean, what, what are, I'm t- just the way you said it, you made within, it sound like within, way off. Within 20 feet of you. Within, so if they're further away than 20 feet? Yeah. Uh, oh, gosh. That's that's a lot more normal. I thought you meant like someone who's aiming for the D-license area and lands in the student area or lands in the triangle on accident. <laughs> no, no, those, no. Those happen. Hank's not doing tandems right now, buddy. <laughs> right. Hank's horrible at accuracy. <laughs> but if man, you guys know Hank, he's awesome at accuracy. So that's more, funny. more than 20 feet? Yeah. Gosh, I guess we're getting down to maybe uh, maybe 50, 50 or 60% of the time they're within that 20 feet. So guys and gals, back to it, professionals aren't always landing within 20 feet. Try to be that accurate. You go for this first round, you're 1.24 meters away. Now you think you're out. Mm-hmm. What's your mindset for round two? What are you thinking when you get on this plane? Um, basically, I'm just thinking, like, just try to get closer next time. <laughs> Suck less. <laughs> Suck less, yeah, basically. Because uh, I knew that that wasn't good enough to win. Um, so the second jump, I think I put a little maybe too much pressure on myself I was, to do I was going to ask if you feel like you had you were experiencing less pressure because you were like, fuck it, I can't win now. Mm-hmm. Or if you were experiencing more pressure because it's like, well, now I have to. Yeah, it was a little bit more. Um, but it was also too like, okay, it was a no wind and I was still within a meter. Like, that's actually pretty good for me. So so round two, what's your score? 
Oh, it was like a three something. Three point one seven. Yeah. And that's bad. Uh, not just compared to your first score, but if you look at the rest of the scores, you've now dropped quite a bit more. Yeah. You've dropped quite a few rankings. Yeah. Now I'm going to read at the end of round two something. There are two people at the end of round two with one round left. Two different people have a cumulative score of point one. Four. Yeah. Two different people were point one four total. One of them is named Riley Marshall. The <laughs> Riley Marshall. Really? Yeah, she yeah, was, yeah. She was playing. Yeah, she was playing. So she was. All she had to do was land okay, yeah. and she's gonna crush it. Yeah. So here you are now, probably in the bottom third. Yeah. Of the scores, you probably mm-hmm. like probably at the high end of the bottom third. <laughs> Whatever. Barely. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now it's the last round. Yeah. Where are you at now? What are you thinking? Um, so when they put the plane up for the last round, the winds picked up and I knew I had a chance. You were like, yes. <laughs> I was like, thank the God wind the wind gosh. did come. Thank you, wind <laughs> gods. I've been praying for you all day. Did you guys know anything about your scores yet? Um. Was it a live scoring competition? No. Okay. No. But I knew after the first round, I was kind of out of it. Yeah. You had the general idea, but you didn't have numbers. mm yeah, and I think the the issue was is that so many of the competitions that had been done at the different very uh, different drop zones, I knew were no wind or low wind. So I knew everyone I was going to be competing against was really good in a condition I was really bad in. So when I saw the wind start to pick up, I was like, okay, now we're getting to Texas style now. Like, come on, like let's see what these people can do, right? Let me show you what this British, Canadian, Detroit, <laughs> Texas girl can do. Right? <laughs> um, one of my favorite things about watching you train is you trained, if it was a no-win day, you were ready to train more than anything. Yeah. And I hate seeing people who don't train in adverse conditions. That's the best time to train. Mm-hmm. So now you're going to third round, Initially thinking like, well, I'm kind of a schnooked. I'm kind of out of this. I don't have a good chance. <laughs> Were you around for the made up Yiddish worst conversation earlier? <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so now uh, you, you, you've got no chance and suddenly you think you have a chance. Yeah. What, where do you think, before you make the jump, what do you think is going to happen on this jump? Everyone's going to go short. So you think part of your chances, y'all are going to suck more and I'm going to suck less. Absolutely. And you think when you go to leave this airplane, you have a chance to win? I, in that wind, I'm very rarely not hitting a bullseye. Okay. So you think there's a good chance to redeem yourself mm-hmm. and, and finish high. Yeah. You landed on that last round. What was your score? Point something. Point six three. Point six three, point one five, point six two, point six three. You had the third best score that round by far. Mm-hmm. Uh, love Riley, good friend of ours. She's been on the show. Scored a fifteen. <laughs> Riley, I love you, girl, but you're done fucked up. Um, and really, <laughs> it's those those wins. <laughs> you, uh, should see, you should see our. That messages. might be the best <laughs> delivery of any line you've ever made in your entire life. That's how good that was. Uh, we, we had some pretty good exchanges back and forth already, <laughs> so I, I know she's okay with this. Uh, and the other guy's got a 10. And again, at this point, he's kind of screwed the pooch, so both of them pretty much had it wrapped. Mm-hmm. CD and I have been watching the comp all day long the best we can. The only thing him and I saw is I found the video of the last round, and I found yours and Jordan's landing. And all I know is you landed good, and you go, it redeems me for the last two rounds. So at this point, I'm thinking... You sucked. You don't have a chance. <laughs> Just yeah. to wait. And you remember yeah. what? Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So CD and I are banging on you. CD and I are sending hey you messages. Oh, oh. oh, 
How you doing? Is that going to be the new name of my sex tape? Uh, <laughs> she beat you to that one, Justin. <laughs> CD and I are sending you messages, and we're and we're doing it, knowing each other's doing it, but not knowing what each other's writing. Yeah. And he comes back to me. He's like, "Yo, bro, bro yo, I got the score. I got the update. Here it is." Like he paged me because he didn't know where I was. Oh I call Manifest because Manifest <laughs> like DJ checking with Manifest. Yeah. And by the way, if you're at Spaceland and you get paged to manifest, please, please show up in person. Calling them is not the right move. I work there. It is my full-time job. I have an office there. So I call them from my desk. And uh, CD, she's like, hold on one second. And hands a phone. And CD's like, okay, I got scores, bro. I know where she's at. And he tells me <laughs> your numbers. Yeah. You exaggerate your numbers. For example, you called your three point something a four. You called your one point something a two. So yeah. you round it up. Yeah. But we didn't know. So well, I, I didn't know either, to be fair. Okay. Yeah. So you were ballparking the numbers. Yeah. And you think you have fourth. Yeah. That's what you think. Yeah, I thought I had fourth. And then 20, 30, 40 minutes later, CD and I see each other. Hey, bro, 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 five o'clock, four o'clock our time. Yeah. So him and I <laughs> sit down with our phones and we watch the stupid, no, it's not stupid, it's super cool, live feed of the winners, 10th yeah. place. Yeah. They announce the score, like, it's not even close. So we start hearing the score totals and we're like, okay, for sure she's in this placement because she's better than that. Fifth place. All right. They say the number. I'm like, ooh, that sounds close to what Lori said. Mm -hmm. Not Lori. Fourth place. Okay, this is Lori. Man, she's going to miss it. Okay. Mm -hmm. They didn't say your name. Mm -hmm. And the point total matched. Third place. We're like, oh, my God. At this point, what are you thinking when they're announcing third place? Um. I just saw you get yeah, excited as I, we talk. Well, and I think the thing is, is because he was giving like little clues as to like who got third place. And I'm like, I know that wasn't my total in that round. So I knew it wasn't me okay. getting third place. And then when he started going through the whole like, you know, this person has trained forever. Like, like, and I was like, oh, yeah. Albert pumping like, you up right there. I was like, I think I'm the only one that's done this. I think so. Like, Didn't yeah. the first place guy also train a bunch? Um. I think he used a slightly different strategy, to be honest. Like, he's actually been doing 270s and stuff on a much smaller canopy. And then he upsized to come back into the competition. So he's got okay. four or something jumps, 400, 500, something like that. And okay. he's just very good. Super cool dude, too. And, dude, I'll come to this next point in a little bit. But somebody actually sent me a message and said, I can have solace in knowing I didn't, I don't have as many jumps as the two top two have hop and pops this year. Mm -hmm. Was one of the comments made. I was like, oh, mm -hmm. come on. That was kind of, uh, I love the person who sent it to me, but a little snide, a little kind of like, they wanted it. And you wanted it, like, bad. Not, yeah. in a, not in a bad way, but in a, like, I got an itch, I need a way. Yeah. Um, so now you know you've got second. Mm -hmm. And when you got second, what's, how do you feel? Honestly, it's like the greatest pressure of my life has been relieved. I was just like, I was just happy that I did well. Like, I'm happy that... You did phenomenal. Yeah. Well, I mean, I could have done better. But, you know, I mean, I did, I did it as well as I could do on the day. Yeah. And, you know, anybody can do super good on any given day, right? So I knew that there was always going to be a chance that there's going to be somebody who's much better. Like, I'm not naturally good at this. It's not something I'm naturally good at. I had to work really, really hard to get good at it. But I knew through all my training if somebody's going to give themselves a chance in every single win condition i want to be that person so it was a relief to know that all of my training had kind of paid off and to not be letting anyone down here because that was my bigger concern is like everyone at spaceland has been watching me do this for so long and put time and effort and money and energy into me and you know i just didn't want to let anyone down 
is one of those people because I, I I won't hide anything from anybody. I very quickly spoke to you and said I will charge you nothing for coaching. I knew you didn't have a money concern. Mm-hmm. I wanted to invest in somebody who really wanted to learn. So I put a lot into you and enjoyed the time. Not again as much the time as Will got. And I know Will feels the same way. If you came in dead last, the time was worth it because of how much you learned this year. Mm. You are. You and I had this conversation earlier today. I'm going to phrase it differently, but you'll recognize the conversation. You are one of the best all-around canopy pilots on our drop zone. What word did I leave out of that? This is the conversation we had earlier. Female. It don't fucking matter <laughs> if you have a tit, if you have titties or a dick. <laughs> if you have a tit. <laughs> Just a one. Tit. I you two. one titty. I got two. <laughs> <laughs> That's Woo. why you're so good. Come on, titty. Come on, titty. Why you got a built-in left-hand turn? I only got a left-hand titty. <laughs> <laughs> the drag's kind of off on that side. God. Man, I love the fact that a, a lady plays second. You were one of the best all-around camping pilots to show up to that event. And the thing that you probably noticed and you may have heard is even at that event, you were one of the ones who probably worked hardest to get those scores where some of the guys and gals just lined up scores and took what they did. Mm -hmm. So you've earned it. And really, if you're going to lose, you're going to lose to a guy named John Winner. Yeah. Isn't that his name? Paul. Paul, Paul Winner. Winner. Paul yeah. Winner. John Victor. John Victor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he, she was surrounded by a victor and a winner. The yeah. fact that you came in second's a miracle. A miracle. How does that work? Oh, yeah. English is hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I need my noodles now. I go eat too much shitty walk. Man, and it's super awesome. So two things stood out to me, and one of them was that I love the fact that a lady's representing and showing it doesn't matter what sex you have, whether you have one boob or two boobs, you can place and you can win. But there was another cool fact that I didn't process until you actually pointed it out to me. Two of the three podium winners jump where? Oh, Spaceland. Yeah, John's from uh, Dallas. Dallas, Yeah. yeah. So two of the three top places at the PD Bullseye event where Spaceland peeps represent my Spaceland homies, man. Yay. Hey, space kids. Where am I? <laughs> space kids. <laughs> oh, come on. Let's not go there. Uh, a buddy of ours, Boo, would call. He would, he would refer to everybody as space kids on Facebook. Okay. Like, hey, space kids. <laughs> Just one of those, I don't know. He liked that line. Um, it was super cool to see you go there and get there. So what did getting second place get you besides um, that cool jersey? Yeah, super cool Tuesday. Uh, I got uh, $1,000 off of Maine, and I got some Flight One training and a bunch of like cool T-shirts and swag. I love the swag. The swag is so cool. Bring the swag. I love it. Do you have the uh, uh, luggage tags? I do. Aren't they the best? I love it. I don't know if you noticed, my backpack has one of them. I keep the, the skull and crossbone. You know who Merv is now? No, I don't. Merv, so. you know the skull and crossbone logo for Yeah, PD? yeah. His name is Merv. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. I've got the Merv one on my backpack. I carry my all my luggage. It's so great. I'm going through an airport, and this big orange keep calm and double stow tag is on my <laughs> luggage. I'm like, that's mine. I've actually had somebody reach for that bag. I'm like, oh, that's mine. And the guy ar- didn't argue, but argue. He's like, well, blah, blah, blah. And I let him look. I'm like, all right, go ahead and look. I'm, you're, now you're going to hand it to me, so thanks for the help. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's so cool. Yeah. Congratulations on that. Thank First you. place would have been so sweet. I've told you this, uh, man, it almost hurts my feelings you got second, not fourth. Yeah. Because being so close to seeing that first place finish for you, it, it would have been so cool. Number one for you, number two for all of us, because there is no doubt we take a little bit of pride in having worked and jumped with you. Yeah. But I want to, before we wrap up, talk about next year. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you we can't reveal the full details of our conversation, but we can reveal some of those details. Okay. So what's your goals for next year, Lori? 
so my skydiving goals, um, I'm go- I've already talked to uh, Jeremy about putting a wingsuit on, so I'll be looking forward to doing some wingsuiting, hopefully getting into XRW, because uh, I've been told very politely that I'm not big enough to do the canopy piloting side of the <laughs> XRW <laughs> just quite yet, so uh, I'll be working on getting down to that, but um, I'll be doing some wingsuiting. Um, I'll be doing some swooping next year, hopefully, so... Uh, getting going on that hopefully doing some very aggressive downsizing in the next uh 12 months but uh yeah just doing a whole bunch of different things hopefully so you mentioned downsizing how many jumps have you done this year um i've this year i've done over 800 okay cool so what's the what's the downsizing progression been like this year slim to none okay yeah (laughs) what canopy did you start on I started on a spectre 170 uh then i was on a spectre 150 for the competition I went down to a Spectre 135, and now I'm on a Spectre 120. Nice. That's, that's I kind of like the Spectre. Yeah, I'd Spectre th- Thug Life. What do you yeah. What do you like about it? Um, I like that it is very flexible and maneuverable, and you can do basically what you want with it. But it's also a very good learning ca- canopy too. Like I can do a lot of things with it, and I don't have to worry about being too aggressive. So I can do basic swooping stuff without having to worry about putting myself into the ground. Or I can do crew stuff with it because, you know, there's super flat glides. So I can do a whole bunch of different things and make it work for what I'm trying to achieve at the time. And it's not something that's overly aggressive for my flying style, but also gives me some flexibility to change up my style if I want to. So when you talk about uh, swooping, are you talking about doing some bigger turns? Yeah. What, What parachute are you imagining yourself flying when you're... I have no idea. Okay. Yeah. That's our next step. Yeah. So I, I tried to feed you an opportunity to I know, talk and about I didn't what's take next because <laughs> I think you're afraid to expose it. Is mm-hmm. that fair? Mm-hmm. So I really wanted Lori to get a chance to steal this thunder. I'm going to go ahead and take Please the thunder do. with you. Yeah. So this year, something I mentioned earlier is I invested in Lori. I didn't charge her for any coaching. I really wanted her to do well. I actually did two different weekends of coaching with anybody. If you were entered in a bullseye event, all you had to do is show me your registration. That weekend, I was doing free coaching with anybody who was Saturday coaching, Sunday, a mock event. I even gave out what a quattro or not. I mm-hmm. gave out some audible for one of the events. I wanted it to be real. You want got you guys want to make this real? Yeah, cool. Here's a fucking prize. Get nervous now let's go um guess guess who won that one <laughs> uh dan i gave it to him yes you did you're <laughs> such a sweetheart um no Lori won that one um and so I, I did this and really if anything if anybody's gonna win that pd bullseye event it's gonna be one of my family it's gonna be one of my teammates man i was pulling for you and jordan 100 of the way riley's a great friend of mine i love her to death but smoke that bitch <laughs> fuck her up man <laughs> And I was pulling for you guys. And, man, I loved how well Jordan finished strong. Yeah. She had two 15s, two bad scores, and she finished really well. Yeah, and she, she does. Every comp we did with her, she always finished well. Yep. So this year I knew more people wanted to do it. I know PD's talking about doing it again. So my goal this year was to do the exact same thing again. I want to do two more mock PD bullseye events. I want to do a little bit more coaching. I actually have already let the cat out of the bag, told Jordan I will take you under my wing. If you're as serious as she said she's going to be, I want to get you where you want to be. My plans have changed. How have they changed, Lori? I'm not doing this anymore. No, you need to do it. 
no, we're doing this. Okay. So Lori came up to me uh, yesterday, sent me a text. Yo, we need to talk. A little bit different, but yo, we need to talk. Yo, I can talk now. Cool. I'll call you in 10 minutes. Yeah. So I've been thinking about this idea. I want to do these mock PD accuracy events. Explains all these ideas. I didn't tell you anything. I just let you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, when I told you, let me digest and consume some of what you're saying. Now, yeah. after hearing the rest of our conversations today, I think you see why. Yeah. Um, Lori wants to do the exact same thing. She really wants to be involved with this. She really, really wants to give back. So this year, we're going to step it up a little bit further. I don't know the exact details. Lori and I are working these out. I got to work these out with Spaceland. But I'll tell you right now what our goal is minimum. We're going to do at least two PD Bullseye mock events here in Houston. This is as long as PD runs their event again. And if they don't, we'll probably still do something like it. And we're going to do a mock PD event in San Marcos and Dallas. So we're going to take it to the other two Texas DZs. We're going to do two here just because this is home and it makes it easier for us. Our coach for all of those events is guess who, Nick? I mean, it's not Jesus, so it must be Lori. That's right. It is Lori Pataloco. Um, I will be there to support her and there to be be like to do whatever you need me to do. But you are the coach, and and, oh. and it's I think it's so effing cool that as the rating center, I still get to give back in this opportunity. But now you get to give back as well. Yeah. So, I'm super excited. I'm, uh, it's when you came to me with these ideas, I was like, "Oh my god, she's reading my brain!" Like, how do I? Like, <laughs> yesterday I want to say yes, but I want to talk more. I, I, we got to do this in person. Yeah. So next year, keep an eye out as soon as possible. We're going to be announcing this accuracy series throughout the Texas Spacelands. Um, man, guys, gals, if I'm telling lies right now and we don't do this, I apologize because this is logistics that have to happen amongst DZ managers, planes, aircraft, events, all of these other things. And Lori and I haven't talked to any of them yet mm -hmm. but i'm pretty decent at finding gaps in events at spaceland and making events happen so i i think we can do this so does this yeah. mean that you're sticking around here for next year or are you going to travel back for these events no i'm staying here for next year for sure nice. yeah i'm excited like I, I think this is an amazing opportunity like it, competing in the event was one thing but like kind of the whole point of behind a lot of what i've done this year is actually bringing trying to bring more people into the sports particularly women so like getting getting to the competition and doing well in the competition is one thing showing that girls can do this is a huge thing to me that's why i wanted to get my pro rating that's why i wanted to do really well in this because let, let's be honest like there's not a ton of women in this sport and the only way we're going to get more women in this sport is to show women doing cool stuff so you know i just want to give back and i think it's awesome like i'm just going to hang around for another year hopefully you don't kick me out and <laughs> i have to go back to canada Everybody kicks her out. <laughs> but yeah i you know i think it's a great opportunity to give back and to give back some of what i've learned from from dj from will from a ton of other people that drops on and give me off like awesome advice you know throughout the course of the year and you know it, it's really hard i think when you're a new jumper and you don't really know what to do or where to go or who to go to or you know like i can remember like you know, you see people walking around the drop zone and you're like, oh my God, I'm like so nervous. Like, I can't believe, like, like what do I go up to and say this for? Like, you know, it's hard for newer jumpers to like feel like they can approach somebody, but like hopefully like throughout this whole thing, I can give back and show people like, hey, like I'm super chill. Like just come up and talk to me. Like it's no big deal. Like I'm not an expert. I'll give you what advice I can, but I don't have 20 years in the sport, but I can tell you what I know from this competition. So that's hopefully how I can give back. If you're out there and you try to approach Nick Lott, or myself, I'm not just saying you at the wrong time, you're going to get shot down, guys. <laughs> it is. We're super busy. We get hectic. We get in our own head. And we have things that we might be thinking about. But Lori if, is if not that way. If you're trying to talk way. to anyone who's rushing across the hangar or packing a parachute in a hurry, 
maybe, maybe just try your approach at a different time. Yeah, it's right time, right place. Because I can walk up to Nick, and we know each other really well. Mm-hmm. I can measure and go, hey, how you doing, buddy? And nine times out of ten, when I say, how you doing, buddy, to Nick, I mean just that. The tenth time is, I'm not going to talk to you right now, so <laughs> I'm going to say, how you doing, buddy? Lori is... I get spicy, especially in the morning. <laughs> oh, and it's even spicier with me sometimes because he knows he can be very direct with me and I don't care. Yeah, like he, 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 he's like, he'll tell me whatever. And I'm like, okay, thank you for telling me that. I, yeah. I like the truth. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. And then I don't mind. And you don't, you don't get ever snappy. You don't get rude to me, but you don't compose yourself to me where I'd see you compose yourself. It was somebody I just, who didn't know. I you. just make it obvious that it's not a good time to interact with me. Yeah. And then it's, you keep it real. Uh, Lori is the opposite. Lori, guys, gals, if you ever want advice and you see Lori Pataloco running around the drop zone, the 58-year-old lady who looks like she's 36, <laughs> we found out today on the show that she's actually, and, but she looks like she's 36. Did I say 42 out loud? No. Okay, I didn't. Awesome. I just wanted to make sure I didn't tell the world your age was 42. It's not. It's not. But she does look like she's 36. Approach her, hit her up. She's super nice. She's super friendly. And you actually have a lot of great advice. One of my favorite things that happened this year is I walked up to you to ask you to shoot video for an AFF course. Mm-hmm. And when I walked up to talk to you, what were you doing? I sat down on a bowling ball for this conversation. Oh, is that when I was in the little circle of happiness there? And what were you talking to these <laughs> fellows about? Canopy stuff. Man, something crazy happened. Nothing too bad, nothing too nuts. But Lori was educating these fellows. And here's something that's kind of unique. She was educating them properly. I hear people nonstop yes. spouting knowledge. <laughs> and I took so much joy and pleasure in, A, knowing you were right, because that was so cool to see you give good information, but B, to see you sharing and giving back. Guys, gals, hit Lori up. Next year, we're going to be trying to do more of these things. We're going to be working together. We turn into a pumpkin soon. Yeah. So as we get close to pumpkin time, Sweet. nice Astros hat. Thank you. Did you hear they lost the World Series, all five games? <laughs> Tell Justin if <laughs> you see We didn't it. lose all five. If yeah, you, you did, <laughs> you guys suck so bad they gave you an extra loss. <laughs> it's kind of weird. Justin. I was in every game we lost. Yes, you were. Uh-huh. It's kind of weird, Justin. It's been a long time since you've not worn Astro gear. Did Nick get to you last week? No, I just I, I didn't. I, for some reason, did not wear it. I okay. watched the Astros lose every game, and in no way is that depressing. <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> Justin's about to come over the desk at you like I'm going to throw. Well, I mean, shit. it was only for, an Anchorman reference. For most part. of the people, they've they've only seen them lose recently. I've watched them lose my entire life. Oh my god, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I mean, shit. Fuck these fair weather fans. Yeah, these, right. These past few years are greatly an exception to the whole Lastros thing. You know when I stopped going to see Astros games. When? when you couldn't buy tickets anymore. Yeah. Dude, I used to watch Astros oh, all the dude. time because, I mean, I don't know how many times I've gone up to a couple buddies at DZ. Hey, let's go to a game tonight. Sure. Hey, field level tickets are available. Let's go. Yeah, we used to get like $20, $23 tickets down right in front of the, the freaking dugout. It was great. Yeah, when Astros now it's suck, expensive as go fuck. all the yeah. time. Now you <laughs> can't get tickets. Yeah. You know, I think I've been to maybe six or seven games, and I think I had been to four before I actually saw them score a run. Oh my god! Wow, yeah. <laughs> Don't I'm, take Nick to a yeah, game. I'm not. I'm not good luck for those fellows. I've never seen the train move. This year, this year I really? went to like 25. You went to 25, 25 games? games easily. <laughs> Almost every single postseason game at home. Oh my god! Good for you. All but maybe two home postseason games, and every postseason World Series game this year. I went to one. I went to Game Five two years ago. The epic, most epic game ever. And regretted not going to a bunch more. So, 
I went to all of them this year. Hell yeah. Good for Dude, you. Dude, absolutely enjoyed it. Man, Lori, you and that orange pumpkin hat, anything else you want to share with your friends, your family, people watching, people who want to skydive with you next year? Uh, thank you guys so much. Um, I just want to say thanks to everybody that helped me this year. Thanks to everybody like at the drop zone. Like, It's crazy like seeing everybody go home. It's kind of sad. you know. I know people have to go back to wherever they're from, but it was like this year has been kind of full of ups and downs and it's it's ending on a really positive note so i'm like super stoked about it and i'm super appreciative to everyone that jumped with me and spent time with me and and helped me out through this kind of crazy year so uh i'm looking forward to next year and uh hopefully i can jump with a whole bunch of different people and maybe take this canopy thing into the coaching world so i'm excited i'm excited to see i definitely think we have some good plans going forward i, I look forward to sharing some coaching plans with you as well and do what we do uh before i ask these other two fellas guys and gals we have a short week off i say a short week off sunday night we have a guy named matthew fry coming in matt fry he's a free fly guy free fly load organizer free fly big way guy done a bit of everything he travels a lot he's in town for an event head up camp head down camp nick i think it's a multi-plane head down camp if i remember right that yeah. actually sounds a lot more familiar a multi-plane head down camp so uh, matt will be joining us sunday night we'll have a little bit earlier show than normal next week if you do know lb live Check out Larson and Brugard's, uh, Larson and Bruce Guard's Facebook page or LB Altimeters. Uh, Nick and I uh, do some things with them, and we are giving away a free Pro Track 2 and a free Aries 2 to somebody listening and watching live this Tuesday night on LB Live. Our guest is the one and only Nick Nicholas Himlin from Arizona Airspeed. Um, Super, super good dude. Known him for a bunch of years back in his uh, fast tracks days. He actually jumped in Indiana uh, when I was jumping there. So uh, look forward to that. And then next week, man, um, we needed uh, it's the week before Christmas. Uh, let's squeeze in a last show, th- Wednesday or Thursday night. We'll figure it out. You're, you're sure Jesus won't be upset. I'm sure Jesus won't be upset. <laughs> we'll be off for the week of Christmas. I don't, I don't want to party like too close to his birthday. The week after Christmas, we're going to be on a Thursday night because Wednesday night's January 1st. And January 1st would be two nights in a row for Nick staying up late, and that won't work. Me neither. Hey, do you know what December 31st is? It's Jesus' birthday. No, December 31st. <laughs> oh, it's my birthday. Your name is not Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> it's my birthday. What are we doing for your birthday? Nothing. Sitting at home being an old man watching Dick Clark's Rockin' New Year's Eve. That sounds rockin'. Unless somebody comes up with a better idea that involves me not driving and leaving my home. Mm. I've thrown a few New Year's Eve parties at my house, um, but I, it, that's a lot of work. So I don't throw you New Year's Eve parties anymore. I'm going to get drunk. <laughs> Why wouldn't you? Fucking white girl wasted and yell some shit at a podcast. Every time oh, Nick yeah. has said I'm going to get drunk, he might have a beer. Oh. He doesn't get drunk. I've never been drunk. No, yeah. Okay. Totally no. So guys and gals, we're going to figure out that schedule for the next few weeks. We'll get moving. We'll get rocking. Ben Nelson is coming to back to visit sometime soon. Till then, Mr. P, what you got? Nothing. A new hat, baby. That's what you got going what? on. A new hat. Justin Grubbs, what do you got, Mr. G? I got this right index finger. And a beanie. Guys and gals, <laughs> Grab Lab Radio. We've got beanies. We've got hats. We're going to announce new jerseys coming in January. Keep an eye out. We'll keep it rolling. Till then, Grab Lab ra- ra- Radio. Radio. Fresh. Blue skies. Hey, Justin. Don't hit into the music when this ends. When the music ends, turn my mic back on. What's he going to say? You going to stick know. around and find out? No, you're not.
lungs right now. So you know, we're not waiting for it. Those bastards. I know. Super weird, man. We normally take our headphones off while the atro music plays, so I've never listened that long. That was long. It's longer than I thought. It I never really listened to it, which is not Y'all something I've heard before. Yeah, because you got to pay attention. Yeah. Like it's it's man, it's super weird. But uh, hey, if you guys and gals are listening to this, and you send an email to Monty at Gravity Lab Radio, and the email says Lori is a canopy goddess, I will send you a free Gravity Lab Radio beanie. Hold on, you Monty. Like the only first one person. person. The first, first person. person. One person. Wait, Lori are we still streaming? Is a canopy goddess. You better not be streaming. Oh shit. Oh well, that, if you listen to the live stream, you just done cheated. And so, if you send, is a live you stream done? Tell, yeah. No. Over. Yeah. No. No. The live stream should always end. Um, so, first of all, if somebody sends me that tonight because they heard it on a live stream, 